Nachts nach Weihnachten bis noch. Nachts nach Weihnachten bis noch. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Welcome back for another week. We're back, baby. We are. I feel like we are very we're back progressively with a big one this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're very progressively easing towards a fortnightly podcast. Yeah, we're never going never to commit to it. But yes, you're bringing this up again because of your guilty conscience. I think we should just the pod comes out when it comes out. No, nah, we should be regular <laughs> about it. Yeah, we're going to aim for fortnightly. It's probably never going to be less than fortnightly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know we'll uh. We'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, right. So, speaking of seeing how we go, this week we are doing Tenet, Christopher Nolan's <laughs> brand new film, a much-anticipated new release from him mm. that has been delayed several times. Uh, it was supposed to be coming out months ago and has now finally been released in Australia. That's it. It came out sort of a week or two ago as we're recording this. So, we're hoping that everyone listening to this is going to get a chance... To, have, to watched have watched it before we talk about it. And I feel like maybe to be honest, based on how many showings there are in Canberra at the moment, you'd be hard pressed not to have accidentally seen it because I, mean, I feel like Dendy is throwing it at people walking past yeah. the cinema for fuck's <laughs> sake. There were like yeah. thirty sessions a day. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe the responsible thing to do during a pandemic is to not go to the cinema. But if it's any console, if it's any like comfort, we went on opening weekend. Yeah, uh, in the afternoon, and there was like no one in the cinema with us. Yeah, we didn't have a full session. We went twice, yeah. and we did oh, not. Yeah, we and we did not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we did not have a full session either time. Yeah, yeah we no. went. We, here's a little sizzle. We went twice, only seen it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So it's look in this city at the moment. It's not. I, I I'm pretty paranoid about this shit. I don't think it's uh, particularly. Uh, irresponsible decision. I just caught myself in the middle of like, fucking go see it. I thought, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we have zero cases and have had zero cases in Canberra for like, like over a month. Or a month. Yeah. So we're kind of, I'm a little bit like, all right, if I can go to a fucking cinema, mm. I should probably start so paying. Maybe this pod is a, is a public service then. This pod is, if, if you're in Melbourne and you're listening to this pod and you want to know what it's like to watch Tenet, well, you could just listen to this and we'll just describe yeah. the plot to you blow That's by right. blow. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, in fact, we've realized recently that we're getting into the habit of sort of describing the plot a bit too much. So in this episode here, we're going to try and not describe the plot blow, blow, plot blow by blow, if only, because if we try and do that for this movie, it's uh, it's going to be infuriating. Just gonna it, you're going to want to blow your brains themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, We're going to try and give initial impressions before we spoil it. So if you're not sure whether you want to see it or not, or if you do want to listen to us waffle on for a bit, mm. we'll tell you before we spoil it. So we'll talk about some stuff, yeah. But, yeah. But it is going to be hard not to get into... Yeah. There's so many like twists and turns in this film that yeah. it, if we're talking about something 20 minutes in, we're probably going to be talking about some sort of spoiler that's just as impactful to the plot as something that's... 40 minutes yeah. in. I, so. I feel like if, if anyone's that paranoid about it, they're going to be one of those people like me that avoided all the Just trailers wait. and went in blind. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. There, there's your warning. We're not going to spoil it until we give you a fair warning. In any case... You'll hear uh, me scream, like, Spoilers! <laughs> for like four minutes. <laughs> yeah, God. Um, in any case, we should launch into a bit of our pre-game warm-up material mm-hmm. before we get into the main event. Uh, start with some news. Yep. All right. Beef Bulletin. 
All right, I got a couple headlines here. The one that's the biggest story of the week, uh, because it just happened a couple of days ago as mm. we're recording, is that Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther actor, actor who was also in The Five Bloods recently, died Played this Storm week. Norman, yeah. Uh, died this week, passed away from colon cancer, I believe. Yep. He was diagnosed apparently four years ago yeah, and he, kept it a secret this whole time. This dude's a fucking... This guy is uh, an insane... He's uh, like an actual superhero. I don't fucking know how you would film a Marvel film with a cancer diagnosis. Like, yeah. he The energy and strength that it, he must have had to be able to do that stuff. It's funny because you'd be on death's door just being forced to film a Marvel film at the best of times well, anyway. Well, hey? I would never make it to set. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he, he really must have... I was... <laughs> they were um, like, Chad, we've got bad news for you. He's like, yeah, I know, I have to do that Marvel film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> way worse news. Um, no, I, I liked Black Panther and I guess that's... Yeah. Um, you I know. feel like that's been the most culturally significant thing that he's done. I, 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 I watched a video where... Um, uh, it was like some Tonight Show thing, one of those like prank videos they do, um, mm. where in this case they got like people to go into this like curtained room and look at a camera, and it was like, oh, we're gonna send these video messages to uh, Chadwick Boseman to just like tell the camera what you think of the movie, and it was a lot of like oh, it was a lot of like black people saying like, oh, I really like loved seeing like the representation on screen, yeah. and it was like this like life-changing moment for me watching this film seeing this like mainstream depiction of our culture and everything and then after everyone Chadwick was behind the curtains and was like surprise bitch yeah you gave those compliments to me in person you <laughs> yeah. suck yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking prank <laughs> but it was really yeah. heartwarming and I, I feel like I hadn't I feel like I'd only really seen him in two movies and to some degree I was like why the fuck does everyone give a shit about this but I feel like maybe because he was in a couple of the biggest movies of all time in the last couple of years. I think he had quite a career. I just don't think I'd really... I was very familiar with it. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by the splash that his passing had made in mainstream media around the world. I think Black Panther to, impacted yeah, a lot. Exactly. Man. Yeah, exactly. Um, huge and like, news, though. That and was something that sucked a lot from... Th- just thinking about like a lot of the kids, like a lot of black kids growing up in the States... Um, you know, saw themselves as the hero protagonist in a Marvel film, which would have um, been absolutely huge. insane. Like yeah. that's that's the first time. Uh, you know, maybe this is a bad comparison to make, but um, I'd put that up where the I'd put that up there with Black President for like yeah, finally seeing yourself. No, I think that's a, elevated. I think that's a perfect comparison you know? to something yeah. that you never normally see as like something that's the, I, my role in life could be to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever. You could now, you know, Black Kids now. There's it's not. It's there's precedent now to be the yeah. protagonist in a Marvel film that fucking rules, and it's really sad that um, he won't get to do that more basically, and even yeah. to just be Black Panther more, which is um, you know so many people love that character. Yeah, um, Abs- really sad, crazy that no one forty three years that. old, and again just like doing all that superhero training, getting all buff unbelievable. While he had cancer. unbelievable. Crazy. He was going through. He had they they were scheduling his shoots around chemo and surgeries. Man, yeah, that's crazy. This man is a fucking animal. <laughs> like, just I I cannot believe how tough that must have been. Yeah, I don't know about anyone else doing that type of shit. No, like. 
the scheduling that these films... I don't think people really realise just how fucking intense these movies are. Like, you're doing 18 or 20-hour days sometimes. And people talk about um, getting buff for Marvel movies being like... It's like four whole, hours of training like a day. Your whole life for 12 yeah. weeks is just being professionally you can't, ripped. Like, I, I would say, if someone, if you're putting someone on chemo, you'd say, all right, well, we're going to give you a very specific diet and we're <laughs> going to make sure that uh, you're as well-nutritioned as you can possibly be. And... Uh, those diets that they put fucking Marvel stars on are so bad for you. You don't, you don't eat like carbohydrates. I don't. And know, yeah. it's, it's fucking insane. I'm just I'm in awe that insane. he yeah. uh, that he had the strength to go through all that. And he seems like so. such a humble dude. It's such a shame, and it was so shocking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. Thoughts to his family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was a, b- a big story. Another big story that happened. A week or so ago now, but it's happened since we recorded the last episode, is that a trailer for the new Batman movie has been released. Like a teaser trailer with Robert Yeah, Robert I've seen Pattinson. about 500,000 YouTube videos breaking that down into like a frame-by-frame analysis. Yeah. This is one of those teaser things where there's really yeah. like uh, three seconds of Batman on screen. But I'll tell you what, man. I reckon it looks great. I know this happens with every DC movie ever, and yep. DC always manages to drop the ball. And I think that they're deliberately making it look a lot like Nolan's Batman in tone. Yeah. But I think it looks awesome. I'm all in. I love Robert Pattinson. I've, I've loved him in every movie I've seen him do I'm recently. i save you from yourself, man. Do not have expectations going into this movie. It is a fool's errand yeah, I know, having I know, expectations I know, I know. going into I this re- movie. I reckon it looks sick. And I know that's just because I love... And I was going to say I love Batman, but really I, I don't Nolan's watch... I love Batman. I don't watch that much Batman shit. I yeah. just love... I just I love, love the, the idea Knight of Batman. Yeah, me too. But I, I love the idea of Batman. I feel like maybe it's because I grew up with like this mm. one Batman VHS I watched 100,000 times. Yeah. And I've seen the Nolan stuff and I've played a couple of Batman games. I've had enough exposure to awesome Batman shit that yeah. anytime new Batman shit comes out, I get excited for it. I never ended up watching the Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah. But I was excited about it and then it just happened and I sort of, I was like, oh shit. So I'm going to be... Am I crazy? Did Was Ben Affleck that Batman? What are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It was? That, yeah, that happened. Because, like, seeing these headlines, I was like, oh, that's that new Ben Affleck. For, for a second, I could have very, very successfully gasoline you there, right? Like, what are you talking about? Ben Affleck is Batman. No, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Ben Affleck. Because if someone questioned you about that enough, you'd be like, no, of course Ben Affleck's not no, Batman. I He's knew 45. that Ben Affleck was, <laughs> was slated to play Batman at some point, but this is how but out of the loop on it. DC shit I am. Yeah. Did they cancel it or was it. S- that's that was he was that was Batman vs Superman thing, and I think there was yeah. gonna be a standalone movie that never happened. But he was in Batman vs. Yeah, Superman. he was yeah. right because that was the thing where I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. But then I got confused. Yeah, and I was like, Wait, wasn't he? Isn't he the new Batman? And then it was Robert Pattinson. <laughs> yeah, I was no. like, I knew that Robert Pattinson was gonna be Batman, but I didn't yeah. realize there was two of them. Well, there, there's, anyway. there's one shot. I think Rob I want Pattinson's Batman thought- versus Batman, where one of them is Rob Pattinson and the other is Ben Affleck. Fuck and yeah. Rob Pattinson plays himbo Batman and Ben Affleck plays gritty reboot. Like the fucking Sp- Spider-Verse. Yeah, Spider-verse yeah, 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 exactly. Fuck yeah. Batverse. Yeah. Into the Batverse. <laughs> we did it. That'll happen. That'll happen. Yeah. Very uh, nice. <laughs> um, uh, two notable scenes from the trailer, one of which is Batman absolutely like beating the shit out of one dude in front of ten other dudes. Right. Instead of, like, going to town with all ten dudes, Arkham he just, Asylum like, style. beats one dude almost to death and the other ten run away. Great. And then there's a scene where he takes his cowl off and he's got, like, eyeliner all over the place, which I feel like you've never seen another Batman do. 
That's pretty like, funny. Where it's like, yeah, of course he would need that because you can't just have like a fiberglass mask that oh, perfectly goes you, to the edges you of your like, eyelids. I thought you meant... I'm not like smoking purple eyeshadow. He was wearing eyeshadow. a normal amount of eyeliner. <laughs> no, I and mean, in like, the fight, it's gotten all smudged and shit. I was like, that's pretty funny. Oh, this must be a really weird tone. You no. see it's like Dark Knight? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very camp. Oh, like, yeah. That's a lot more Michael <laughs> Keaton than I think it is. <laughs> Good. Okay, right. Yes, he has I mean, black I mean, face paint yeah. around his eyes. I know you yes. can see <laughs> fucking eyeliner. You can see George Clooney's nipples <laughs> through his bat yeah. suit, but this is another step that entirely. That is ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, well, it's like. Well, the way the shot makes it look like, it looks like he's had a lot of, a lot of it's eyeliner. It's sweated kind of a lot. Or whatever. Yeah. Cool. yeah um, oh, this is a terrible photo, but you can sort of see what I'm talking about there, right? It's like. He's oh, clearly, oh, he's emo. Yeah, but he's got it on there. Because, he's goth. Yeah. That's that's what that is. I'm excited to see, man. I rate Robert Pattinson. I think it's going to be good. I, I have no idea whether it's going to be good, but I'm keen to see it. Well, I will once again caution you to lower your expectations. Yeah. Apparently, they've only shot 25% of the film. Um, wow. Okay. So this teaser might... Because it's not coming out until next year. So this yeah, teaser, yeah. I think, is maybe tied us over or whatever because they've had to stop shooting because of their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, 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 the last story I've got here is just a report on how the box office for Tenet is going. Yep. Uh, because, of course... For what? Tenet. Mm. Sorry, let me say it backwards. Tenet. Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yep. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Tenet races to $53 million plus internationally. Which I would say, considering the fact that it's not, it's probably not it out more than that. It's not out in the states. It's only been out for one weekend. Yeah. I don't think it's probably out in the states. Okay. Um, I think it's better than anyone could have expected. Yeah, maybe. I mean, considering that they started making it before COVID hit. Yeah, yeah probably. That, that's like within its debut weekend or debut week or whatever the fuck. Um, largest grosses reported by Warner Brothers include the UK, leading with seven million. Yep. Uh, France with f- five or six million, Germany with four million. Didn't provide numbers for any of the other territories, but said that uh, amongst the other 32 markets in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, that added up another 37 million. So we've right. got, the, the, the budget was 200, so they've still got a long ways to go before they make their money yeah, back. Yeah, God. But I feel like. I don't know if they will in the States. Like a lot of places, uh, I think, are still on lockdown. Yeah, no idea. Hey. It'd be Man. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine that you'd be able to see it very much in the States at all. Um, God. A lot of a lot of business for IMAX. Fuck, I'd love to see this in IMAX. That'd be sick. Yeah, well, we should get into that later because I think the IMAX thing is really interesting. Yeah, okay, um, cool. And it's made me realize that IMAX isn't what I thought it was. So, yes, I agree. It's just a big screen. Be very Who gives interesting. A fuck? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that's like the short amount of news we've got this week with the biggest roundup of the biggest stories from the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into Tenet, I've got a little bit of beefness or pleasure. Shoot. I got nothing, so shoot your shot. Okay, let's do it. Business. Pleasure. 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 Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. 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 Beef is a pleasure. Of course, the segment where every week 
we report to you the movies we've been watching on our off time for our own personal enjoyment rather than hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. the strict it's, journalistic it's, guidelines. It's for personal use. It's for yeah. personal use. <laughs> it's fair use, bro. Um, yeah, right. So the, 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 this movie is not tax deductible. I'm paying paying full oh, tax on this I'm movie. No, I'm not going to sell it. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a film dealer. All right. I just use film. All right. I've got less than it's my personal less than yeah, two potted less plants than 30 of this grams movie. Of film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week, uh, inspired by the fact that um, I wanted something a bit lighthearted, a bit easygoing, last night I watched this and. Also inspired by the fact that I asked you whether you wanted to watch this, and you said, "Hell no, fuck no, no way, no, no, thank you." Sounds like I me. watched Saturday Night Fever. Oh yeah, S- had a great old time, man. From I, what I understand, not the light-hearted film right, that you right, might think. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I thought because well, we were talking about it in the same discussion as we were talking about maybe doing Greece, mm. I had just sort of assumed that it might be some sort of musical. Let me be clear, we, we weren't talking about maybe doing Greece. I okay. was talking. You about You wanted doing- to watch Greece, <laughs> and I said. Like I said about Saturday Night Fever, no. Right. So Saturday Night Fever for a start, very good movie. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested in that than I am in Greece. Second of all, not a musical. It is a dance drama in that it's a drama about a dude who dances. Yeah. So there's lots of scenes where he dances. So is Joker, uh, mate. It's basically... <laughs> it, right. It's basically set... Yeah. It, in the same way as Joker's not a circus film, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this isn't a dancing film. I don't know. It is. John Travolta is about sort of 23 or 24 in this movie. He looks amazing. His dancing is incredible. Mm. It is essentially a movie about like a working class Italian dude who works at like a hardware store by day, goes home and gets shouted at by his parents at night for never amounting to what his brother has amounted to. And then on the weekends, he cuts loose in the disco and he is the best dancer in the city. And he dresses up to the nines in his big collared shirts and his, his tight suits and is the best Dick dis- bulging. Is the best disco dancer in the city, and that's the only place where he can get any form of like self worth or self validation. He says like the only time anyone he says to his dad like you've never said me well done. The only time I feel good about myself is when I'm on the dance floor. Mm. Um, and so I had thought that it was going to be like a fun, light hearted disco dancing kind of movie, but no. it turns out it is way darker and yeah. way grittier than that. And Danny and his whole... I think his name's Danny. Tony, sorry. Danny's mm. the guy from Greece. Tony is John Travolta's character. Tony and his group of dude mates who are sort of all in their... I think they're supposed to be like 19 or 20, but they're all like... They all look like 38. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Tony and his dude mates are some of the worst, most despicable people. Yeah. Like, they're the sort of people who Bunch try... Bunch of fucking rats. Yeah, yeah. They, they try and pick up women in public places and like there's a lot of C-bombs or calling them bitches or whatever when they don't want to fuck them right there in the yeah. street. There's a lot of like casual racism dropped it's in. A, it's a big... Uh, big... Uh, toxic masculinity <laughs> big time yeah. and it's big time so for a lot of the movie I wasn't quite sure on whether the movie was just depicting 70s culture and it was sort of in a normalised kind of way showing the casual misogyny and casual racism that was sort of rife maybe at that time yeah. or whether but I think as the movie went along it was sort of becoming clear that even though these characters weren't really being punished for what they were doing on screen it was kind of depicting them in this awful way. We sort of hated all these dudes. Mm. Um, I don't know if you you were aware of this, but the the podcast that I always recommend, Total Reboot, has been doing a big Travolta thing recently. Yeah. So they talked about this, right? Right. And um, my understanding is that a lot of the uh, it, he's a lot of the way that the mas- the toxic masculinity comes across is it's very it's clearly very performative, and that it's not it's what he thinks. 
and his he and his mates think that yeah, they all it's, should be it's, doing it's, it's, it's not sh- endorsing it at all. It sort of shows how groups of dudes like this bring out the worst in each other, yeah. and. It, the, the peer pressure kind of nature of like trying to amp each other up and hype each other up and thinking like, oh, he thinks it's going to be cool if I do this, so I got to do this, and that like reinforces the worst behavior in everyone. Mm. It's really, it was really great, and it was a lot darker and grittier than I thought. Like, there's a bit of uh, like sexual violence and that sort of thing yeah. that I wasn't really expecting. Where I, I had sort of expected this to be like a fun time movie you could pop on. No, I, I probably <laughs> there's enough disco dancing. They're like, oh, this is great, but then every now and then it like sucker punches you with some sort of like racist scene or like a sexually violent mm. kind of scene that sort of leaves you going like oh and then it kill a soundtrack by the Bee Gees <laughs> great soundtrack yeah. uh, no I, I really enjoyed it I really it was, I, I'll probably end up watching it at it some great. stage actually um, I, I'm I, still not at all interested in Greece, but this one sounds like exactly <laughs> my kind of movie it was cool yeah. and I really enjoyed the way that it uh, gave you like a night and day literally kind of comparison between the New York City life and him working at like the hardware store yeah 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 and like in the bright daylight and then the difference between that and the glitz and glam of the disco right I really enjoyed that sort of how he becomes this different person and it's like a different a different culture that he sort of dives into every Saturday night mm. that was great it was great I really recommend watching it the, the more I think about it at the, at the time I was watching it and maybe a bit uncomfortable yeah. and I think that there's a there's a certain redemption arc that happens in the movie that I think isn't really deserved right um, if you know what I mean but maybe it's a bit of a multiplication of like 70s values with Still yeah. being a little bit scrutinizing of the toxic masculinity type stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, so, so there's a certain redemption arc, redemption arc that I I think I could have done without, and I think is a problem with like it's like an it's an outdated movie in terms of its values. Mm. But um, enough of the rest of it, I sort of realized the more I thought about it, was like deliberately trying to be confronting. That I sort of I liked it the more I thought about it after I watched it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So what I watched Saturday Night Fever. Also, banging soundtrack. Listen yep. to the soundtrack like three times today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of the songs by the Bee Gees that you've heard before, I think, were maybe written for this film. I think they wrote I a lot d- I for don't this know. film, right? There's, I, d- I don't know. Okay. Maybe. I, think, I think they did. I could be wrong about that, but I think they did. Yeah. Yeah, cool. That's it. Okay. That was Saturday Night Fever. I watched that. Well, I ain't got shit. And you got nothing. Yeah, so, right. yeah. And also, I watched Dark. I'm up to, I finished all, all three seasons of that German time travel sci-fi show, Netflix Dark. exclusive and show. holy fuck, I want to talk about it with anyone. Yeah. Because I'm bursting. So, if you've seen Dark, slide into my DMs and we can be like, what about that timeline? What about that timeline? Four together. Yeah. So, that's my personal plea. I've seen the first season <laughs> and it's really, really good. Uh, but it also made me feel weird. And so I haven't watched the second or third season yet. Oh, it gets a lot tinglier as the seasons go on, yeah, let me yeah, tell yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting premise, interesting twists. Speaking of interesting premises and twists, speaking should of, we get into s- Tenet? Speaking of storylines that involve time travel and are very hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, let's Tenet. talk about the feature. All right. So, uh, Tenet, directed, written by, produced by Christopher... Adolf Nolan. <laughs> That's not true. What's his middle name? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I was I was struck by inspiration. Adolf now. Fuck whatever. Uh, I'm gonna call him David Tennant about uh, hundred million times. Twenty yeah. times oh, yeah. in this oh, yeah, episode. Yeah. So well, apologies in advance for that. I'm gonna if you hear a, a Microsoft Sam voicing Tennant or <laughs> Christopher Nolan, uh, that's me saying the other thing and then being like, fuck. <laughs> so yeah. So there we go. All uh, right. Well, let me ah! ask you. Let's <laughs> bill out. Let me ask you one of the most difficult questions I think anyone will have asked you in quite a while. 
which was, did you like this movie? I enjoyed it. I think it was a net positive experience, but much like Saturday Night Fever, I had to think about it. It's had to sit with you for a while. It's had to sit with me, and I've sort of convinced myself that I liked it. Mm. Net positive experience. But there was enough sort of confusing shit that we sort of sat together or talked for like an hour afterwards. Yeah. Like trying to piece it together and be like, oh, but this means this. Oh, and that's why that's why we saw this then because later on they said this and that explains this. Yeah. And we had to do that like for so long that I sort of became comfortable with the story and I would want to watch it again. Yeah. But, there's so a yes, lot of... Um, yes, I, yes, I liked it. I, it. The premise, if you stayed completely out of it, I guess the premise is... Uh, a bit of a spoiler, I suppose, because like I knew absolutely nothing going into yeah. this movie. I knew it was something to do with time. Actually, I think I knew like it was an event movie or some <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, what the fuck what was, was the that? Event? What was that? <laughs> There's lots of events, and none of them are, like the main event that they're trying to avoid. Yeah, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, um, okay. So we weird fucking marketing. Weird yeah. marketing. I don't think they'd ever meant for us to like look back at that and think about it. <laughs> anyway. Um yeah, so this is like we'll, we'll 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 talk about the premise and a bunch of stuff that happened. We'll try to avoid any like major story spoilers, yeah. but I guess you see a lot of um what I was just going to say is you see a lot of film uh, you see a lot of scenes for the first time and they don't really make sense to you as the viewer. And then you yeah. see them again later I would from say- a different perspective and it's like Oh. Well, they sort of explain stuff, and you can sort of yeah. retro- retroactively think back. I-, I would say quite comfortably. You watch a lot of shit twice. Yeah, I would say quite comfortably. The first hour of the movie feels like it's slow and doesn't make sense. It it doesn't feel like it's slow for me. Oh, I felt I felt, like but it, was it felt quite like slow. it did not make sense. I felt like I felt like the first hour of the movie, structure wise, was it, it sort of felt a bit aimless. Right where. The, the movie, not to summarize the plot, but the movie essentially starts off with a CIA operation gone wrong. John David Washington's character thinks he takes a suicide pill and wakes up and the CIA is like, congratulations, you passed the test. You've proven you want to die for your country. Now you have to investigate this thing. All we know is it's called Tenet. Mm. And we sort of know where you should start looking. But Good it's luck. not like, yeah, God. And this is how confusing it is. It's not like that, that test, like you've passed the test. That wasn't, the whole point of the first operation that they did, where he ended up no. going well, wrong and like having to it take would have, a suicide pill. It, it could have pill. happened to anyone during any yeah, operation. They just, they, they they just, just found like, him. Th- it's almost like they have this process by which people who end up taking suicide pills are, are recovered and recruited into this, into this like, secret thing. Right, but they don't explain that they at all. They don't. So there's, there's a lot of shit so where they... It's very confusing at the start. He just wakes up and they're like, oh, you passed the test. Uh, investigate Tenet. Get in this thing where the GPS is already sending you off on a location. See you later. Mm. Uh, and so now it, let me ask you about this. What did you think of the first 25 minutes having seen it <laughs> oh, yeah, four right. times? <laughs> Right, so we we booked in quite early tickets to the opening sneak preview weekend of Tenet. Okay. We a went week to see Tenet a week before it came out, most places worldwide. And we got to see it. And we got up to this bit where um, John David Washington, who I think we'll just call John, yep. John is having dinner with Michael Caine. Yep. I think it's lunch. Actually, in a it is it's lunch. lunch. I was going to correct you, and I've I decided seen the scene against four it four times. Yeah, steak and chips. Um, and it <laughs> and it gets through the scene, and it transitions to the next scene, and this woman's walking across the screen, yeah, and a car Elizabeth pulls up. Elizabeth Debicki walk across, and then this whole screen just freezes, goes and then, black, and then goes black. And, and you ev- and I, having worked at a cinema, were, we're like, like, 
this is shit. now a problem. <laughs> so then there was this like, and so clearly, the, so the, mo- the movie crashed and stopped and there was something yeah. wrong with the projector and we were all sitting in blackness with no movie and no sound or anything happening. And there was this sort of Mexican standoff where everyone in the audience knew that someone had to get up. And I think for a good two minutes, no one got up. Yeah, it was a while. Eventually, yeah. someone was the better man and just got up and walked, <laughs> walked out. And they, they played the movie and tried to get it going I think four times. Yeah, they did. And so that we saw that scene that Michael Caine has lunch with uh, John David Washington's character. We saw that scene about four times. That conversation we they, actually watched in full four they times. Re, they always fast forwarded to the beginning of that scene. Why the beginning of that scene? It's probably know. a chapter or something. Yeah. And played and it got to the same point and froze. And so every time we were like, uh, ah! <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And so actually. So the first twenty, the first twenty minutes of the film is where they explain, uh, they explain the secret organization shit, and you watch J- John David Washington with the suicide pill, and then they sort of give you the first introduction to the mechanic of the movie where some stuff moves backwards through time. Yeah, that was the bit that uh, it was useful to watch more than once. And I was going to say that. Um, if you can so choose, go to Dendi and yeah. ask for them to just completely crash your yeah. fucking cinema <laughs> about 22 minutes in. Yeah. And then you Give can go you back. Give you a comp. You can come back a week, a week later. later. You have to use the comp in person. Mm. You can't do it online. So it's a real pain. <laughs> what I wouldn't recommend is watching that scene with Michael Caine five times. Oh, that might have been the worst thing in the whole movie. Because that scene does not hold that up that if scene you watch it five times. That sucked, man. <laughs> It had the oh, I'm just gonna whinge about this for like a minute. It had <laughs> it had the weirdest editing. I think it they multiple times. So usually you in a conversation, out. the way that they the, the way that they would film a conversation like this is they do what's called filming coverage, and that's where you film coverage of the whole scene, which oh. means you film the wide shot with both people in it. That's called a double, and then, you and then you'll cut to a single, which is one like just one person on the screen, and you'll do their whole conversation from the wide shot, then their whole conversation from their point of view, then their whole conversation from the other person's point of view. So you can have shots where it's like two people and then when yeah. John Dave Washington's talking a shot of him and then when Michael Caine's talking a shot of him. Right. And if then you want to cut to a reaction from Michael Caine you can cut to his reaction and cut back to Washington talking. But <laughs> um, they never did that. They never they, shot they to a wide. They never shot the wide or they never used it and it led me to believe in my bones, that these two men were never in the same room at the same time. No. That they, they were using stand-ins for the shoulders. So, Michael, there was never a shot with Michael Caine and John Depp Washington in the same shot at the same time. Never. Yeah. Never. <laughs> and he, like, he hands him a bag and it just, like, cuts away to, like, some fucking hand pushing the bag over and then another like broom, hand, like a, a different angle, another, the bag yeah, another hand picking it up. You're like, I don't even think that's Michael Caine's fucking hand. It's probably not the same bag. Because that shot probably cost him an extra $10,000 if Michael... Michael Caine picked it up instead of if some <laughs> other old white dude picked it up. Fuck. Just get the grip. He's 60 and wide. It'll, it'll fucking do. I think you pointed that out to me after watching that scene once, and then we had to watch that scene another four times. Yeah. But also, so, they've oh got uh, there's different angles and shit. And like, okay, <laughs> I was initially talking about how like it, they, they, they're using a different size of shots. So they're closer up on John David Washington than they are on Michael Caine. And yeah. I think someone, maybe it was you that it's I was me. talking to, was like, no, it's because it's from his perspective. And then Michael yeah. Caine's further away, so it's wider. But also, having learned that the reasons why Christopher Nolan uses IMAX or 70mm film... Right. He, it's in such high resolution, he likes to be able to reframe his shots later in post. And he actually said, like, when you cut back to the same shot, but you're using 70mm film, 
because it's such high resolution, you can actually just cut back to a zoomed-in version of whatever shot you did, and it will feel different. But I don't think it fucking does, mate. I actually think you need to, like, properly frame your shots differently. I mean, well, I'm, no, I'm lecturing Christopher Nolan here, but... Because the framing never changed, but uh, whatever. It did... No, uh, yeah, I know. But he would also, a couple of times in this film, cut from the same shot to a closer-in version of the same shot, which feels very weird. That always feels like a fuck-up yeah. to me. I, don't, I, I, I did not that, like the wasn't... editing in this movie, yeah. but when I was noticing it, I was noticing it in the quiet, conversational parts of the film, and I completely understand. I think there was one editor credited for this film, and I completely understand if the, uh, if the editor was totally focused on the scenes that would have been extremely difficult to edit, right. which and are any the, scenes involving the time travel the other stuff. Shit. And then the conversations were like, oh, whatever, you, Fuck you, it, you, yes, you, it works. you, Get the, yeah, fine. Get the yeah. fucking daily <laughs> off to Christopher Nolan. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going home. I've slept for two hours in the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. there was, Some of the editing was a little dodgy, and I, w- I came out of us seeing that same bit four times. Yeah. Very unconvinced of the quality of this film. Right. So, that was... So, we, we saw the first 20 minutes... And then the movie cut, and we had to go home and come back next week. Uh, and that first twenty minutes was a very shit twenty minutes to stop. It's also also what Michael Caine is saying fucking doesn't mean anything. He drops like four names, half of them are yeah. conventional it's, names. It feels very jargony. Yeah, and it is. The first time we watched it, we felt like every conversation we watched happen where they were explaining the plot of the movie and explaining what you were about to see. It was basically like the your mission, do you choose to accept it conversation in the movie. Yeah, It felt like none of it made sense. But it didn't feel like a proper mission briefing because it it, it, it lacked even the depth of information that most mission briefings They didn't say the word mission. They didn't yeah. describe a clear goal. It was not brief at all. Right. Um, and so... We went home and for that following week, we're talking about how we were a bit unconvinced about whether Mm. this movie was going to end up being able to clearly articulate its point at all. Going back and watching that first 20 minutes again, I found it very valuable. I I picked up on a lot more details and I think that my recommendation, if you're going to go and watch this movie, is you can't miss any lines. No. Because there are some tiny little bits where in that conversation with Michael Caine, he does describe the whole movie and he describes the relationships between about three or four different characters and it, they never tell like you that again. three or four different relationships between three or four different yeah. characters. They yeah. basically say like, this character fucked this character over in this way, this is how this character feels about it and this is what this character wants and this is what this character wants. And this character and grew they, up in this particular <laughs> place and that and particular <laughs> place is very relevant <laughs> for later. And then they never explain that again. Yeah. And so I feel like every single detail and not in an intimidating way just like a fucking lesson kind of way because I, I, I kind of feel like some of these I don't movies think it's reasonable to expect people to keep up with that no. I, I, I properly don't and I, I think that is a failure of the movie it's not a critical yeah. failure but it is a failure of the film I feel like it's a writing problem I feel like you yeah. can sometimes just like because it would often do this sometimes where our character would ask John David Washington like um I can't think of an example. Like, you know what Coke is? And he'd be like, sure, that sugary brown beverage. Mm. Uh, and to just so they could explain to you, to the audience, what Coke is, for example. Yeah, but they, there's that's some stuff. Just direct exposition. Yeah, right? ex- exactly. Right. Or they'd be like, oh, you know who this lady is? Like, oh, yeah, it's that guy's wife. Yeah. But there's some cases where they never do that. And I wish they'd throw a little bit more of that in. So just so that, like, they reinforce a couple of details because it's there's a lot of details to keep track of. And I think every detail that's relevant to the plot, they tell you once and once only. I agree. But also. If you're going to look from a like, let's let's look at this from a slightly wider perspective. In this film, there are no characters, and by that I mean 
I'm going to have to... There is no <laughs> progression to any character in this film. I think the most... That, yeah. like, at, at most, characters get a name and a maybe a slight backstory. The main character of this film, and the reason that we're referring to him as John, John David, David Washington, Washington is because his name. actual name is The Protagonist. And so, <laughs> That's so there shit. is no character development. And for me, the, the two reasons why people in a film would need to talk are to develop character or like to advance the plot, usually in the form of direct exposition. Yeah. Right? Because if a character's advancing a plot and it's not for direct exposition, usually it's for character development. Well, I feel like there's they, no they, fucking character development, well, and I, so all of the conversations in this film, literally a hundred percent of the conversations in this film, I think, are direct exposition about the relationships between characters or the next step that they need to do. I disagree with that. I don't completely agree with you because I think that the first scene of the movie where he has that failed mission and has takes the suicide pill. Mm clearly establishes this guy as a guy who is completely motivated by loyalty to his organization and loyalty to his country. So that when that country and that organization says, we want you to, here's your mission, you have to do this mission, to, you got to save the world or whatever, then um, that's his purpose. Right. That's like his, his character's motivation. Is I think taking to, the suicide that. shows that, but I don't think there's a conversation where... That becomes clear. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like to me, to me, it was from the start when the dude is because he's like to some degree. I feel like John Devers Washington's character is like a soldier. He's like a piece of meat where they're like, "Oh, we know that you're loyal to us, and so here's what we want you to do." Okay, and he's like, "Cool, no worries." Cool, even boss, if no that's worries. the case, even if like oh, I'm I exaggerating, I'm exaggerating of... by saying there's nothing, but like, yeah, fuck. Tell me one thing about Robert Pattinson's character. Yeah, yeah. Tell I me mean, one thing about uh, fucking. Um, Kenneth Branagh's character yeah. other than um, the performance. You know what I mean? Like, while, while we're talking this, about... This is not a character film. Yeah. I, I liked a lot of the performances in the film. Um, I actually... I liked a lot of the performances. I think that the only performance I had that was a problem was when Kenneth Branagh popped up as this, oh, like, Russian God. billionaire. But I actually think he really pulled it off. I, I, think, I think he did really well. I think it's an unforgivable thing to do to give him... So they give him a Russian accent in this film. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I know who Kenneth Branagh is and I know he's fucking British. Why? I think it is an unforgivable decision because it absolutely ruined that villain for me because every time he fucking opened his mouth... It's like a... It's like, get it, Branagh, I'm talking like this. It's so... To be honest, it's fucking bad. And I don't (laughs) know if it's because most of the Russian accents speaking English that I'm ever exposed to are British actors doing a Russian accent instead of actually Russian actors or whatever the fuck. But yeah, for me, it just, it it didn't come off at all and it made him feel... um, I feel like he's too famous to be able to do that. Yes. I need to know that they're not British. Like, I think it's bad enough because there are a billion Russian actors but then you don't get to bill Kenneth Branagh, right? Yeah. So that's why... And it just comes across as a cynical casting choice because they have to get a big name attached to it. And that yeah. meant they could do two extra car chase crashes or whatever <laughs> the fuck. It's very frustrating. And so, for me, uh, he did okay in like his performance. I think the best moments of his performance were when he was like really angry and I like think he's he was a very, screaming. I think, he's re- I think he was really good. And I think he's actually quite a physical actor. I think he which I is a good actor. But I think the choices that they made around his character, yeah. I think this character could have been played by anyone. And yeah. I think he did a good job, but they 
but casting Kenneth Branagh was such a huge fuck up. Yeah, because um, it definitely yeah. took me out of the movie in terms of like being immersed and in the it's, movie. And it's it's so important to the fucking entire. He is actually a linchpin of the entire film, and it's kind of and important that he's Russian. Yeah, it's important sort of. that he's Russian. I mean, you can come up with a it's bullshit reason for whatever. It's important that he's like self-centered. It's actually really important that he's self-centered for spoiler reasons later on, but he makes yeah. a, an extremely selfish decision. His character's motivations and he's he, he's like a key. Yeah. He's like uh, the, the, the like the machinations of the movie are sort of all him. He but, makes a choice that relies and and other characters are relying on his self-centeredness to take advantage of that choice. Yeah. And so like that is you have to characterize that through performance. And I I think just, his performance is really good. I I just yeah, I but wish the I had the dialogue wasn't because no, it was so I disagree. I I kind of uh, feel like it's I, like like a fucking cartoon, like my, pantomime. My one problem was that moment where they were teasing the fact that there's this Russian billionaire dude. Yeah. And that moment when he comes on screen and it's Kenneth Branagh with a Russian accent. That moment where you go, ugh, is that Kenneth Branagh? And it sort of rips you out of the movie. Yeah. Like it would. It, but also, why the fuck did he have to be Russian? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like, definitely didn't. I definitely get the idea. They wanted a Russian bad guy. That's why. It's because Russian they bad do, guys and play I, well. And I feel like this is like a tribute to like James Bondy type movies that has Russian bad no, guys. No, it's in it's, it, it's like, like Cold, Cold War, War bullshit. Like it's yeah. yeah. I just think the the trope of like evil Russian man is so. It's such a fucking dead horse. It is. Get the fuck off, evil Russian man. I, I definitely I'm sick like of this shit. I definitely like the idea behind. Um, Rush the the element of Russia that plays into this film importantly is like the uh, Michael Caine talks about it in the very beginning of the movie the, the the secret cities that were unmarked on maps that were all built around secret industries so he said for example like if they had a uranium mine mm. they would build a city with half a million people living in the city that wasn't marked on any maps and everyone in that city lived to serve the uranium mine I mean and yeah, like maybe secret and I kind of like the idea that the whole country is like a black shroud and you don't know what's happening inside this black box that is a whole fucking giant country and I like that that mysterious element I think plays into action movies like this really well I guess but I agree with you that it's a tie. I think it'd almost throat. be more, and maybe it's overcomplicating the plot even more than it already is. But like, I think it'd be more interesting if they said that happened in England. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Imagine an English city with two hundred thousand people in it. Like, you can't do that, right? But it's like, well, it clearly it's establishing that there's groups powerful enough that that can happen. Yeah, all in the U.S. It could have happened anyway. Right. right. But then and you can cast Kenneth Branagh, and he's actually <laughs> British. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah I don't I, think. I think any. Using the justification of like, well, they had to do that because then this thing could work. It didn't feel like any pieces of his puzzle were necessary, but it felt like they constructed this weird web where all of them made each other necessary, and it just made the character for me feel very unbelievable, very tropish. Yeah, and I, I think for- he, he he's a threatening man when he wants to act threatening, and that did need to be the case, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, I was just the whole time I was just kind of put off by like, oh, really? Yeah, this is like fair. a fucking. This is supposed to save cinema, and the bad dude's like a Russian mafia kind of dude I sort of didn't mind because I, I feel like he's going for a very tropey in some respects a very tropey James Bondy kind of movie and so I like the idea that so much of the rest of the movie felt fresh that he had that as like a building block what's he aping fucking Skyfall that came out 12 years ago no I mean I mean like the, like the Russian villain that sort of that sort of style of movie I feel like that's that's a very common sort of boilerplate for yeah but Tenet is not the style of those types of Cold War style movies I read somewhere that he said this was like his take on a on a James Bond movie kind of thing, and just just the idea that like 
this is a new a new thing you can do with these action movies. I don't know. I agree yeah. with you that it was weird that Kenneth Branagh was Russian, but I didn't hate it, and I actually kind of really warmed to his performance throughout the film. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. Personally, it 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 was. Um, and I found it to be yeah. an extremely poor decision. Something I thought, what, did you notice, we were talking off air about the idea that there was a lot of zingers and sort of jokes and one-liners, very quippy kind of jokes in the first half an hour of the movie. They yep. kind of broke me out of it as well. I didn't like those. Uh, I can't really remember any of them, but... Um, uh, well, there, there was there was one where there was uh, Robert... John David Washington meets up, meets up with Robert Pattinson. They're both spies and they meet up at a bar for the first time and Robert Pattinson orders a Coke for him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I know, I know, I know you don't drink, so I ordered you a Coke. And John Dave Washington goes, well, actually, I prefer soda water. And he goes, no, you don't. Yeah, I didn't. Oh no, because see that what that's doing is that he actually knows about it. Yeah, but it was played off as this charming little quip. Where you feeling misled by that is a fuck up in your part because <laughs> you weren't smart enough to retrospectively edit your experience of the film having watched the whole narrative. There were lots of clever little oh, uh, the, after the lunch after the lunch with Michael Caine. Uh, that Michael whole scene Caine, just needs to go on. The Michael bench. Caine <laughs> asks whether John David Washington needs a re- needs him to recommend a tailor. Yeah, and he goes, "No, actually, I know where to go. You you Brits don't have a don't have a monopoly on. Uh, yeah, well, you Brits don't have a monopoly on, on snobbery. On snobbery. And Michael Caine says, no, not just a monopoly per se, more of a controlling interest. Right. I hate that I remember that. It's not a good line. It's not funny. I've seen it four times. There's a lot of lines like that that just aren't funny and they yeah. felt lame. And I it's feel like completely I've, humorless. I've never had any. I don't think many of many of Christopher Nolan's other movies have had much in the way of humor in them, and it felt sort of weird that. Yeah, I think Dark Knight has kind of... No, I think they haven't. I think Dark Knight kind of had, again, mostly Michael Caine in that, like, funny butler role. Yeah. Um, well, the funniest the funniest bit from any Christopher Nolan movie that I can think of off the top of my head is maybe those robots in Interstellar. They're pretty funny. Yeah, they were funny, But even actually, then, yeah. in quite a dry, like, stating the obvious really kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, I just... I feel like Christopher Nolan thinks he can write zingers and he can't. No. <laughs> but even then, when he's trying... He, he shouldn't try to write zingers because then some of them are funny. But it, yeah, yeah, if he's trying to... No. Whatever. It's, it's bad. So, well, I think we've got some clunky clunky John, John, dialogue and, and, and writing in general that feels like it's there just to serve the story. Yeah. Um, if we move on from that to the next point, which is sound and music and sound mixing, mm. I feel like that's an important, that's a good way of segueing here because one problem I had with this movie was that a lot of the time they have dialogue where they're explaining what the fuck is going on. And a lot of the time you can't fucking hear what they're saying. Yeah, and this was not, I, I don't think I struggled with this quite as much as you, but this was a complaint that I read a lot of people online having. There's, there's literally bits where, like, the lines they're saying are unintelligible. Yeah. There's a scene on a sailboat, on, like, a catamaran sp- speed yeah, sailboat yeah, yeah. that doesn't even need to be in the movie. Why is no, that scene in the movie? It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, because, it's because you have to have... They need a cone of silence in that particular scene, right? So they need to not be able to be listened into. Right, successful, like, mission accomplished. Yeah. Couldn't hear a fucking word they cone were saying. Cone of silence for the audience. Right, um, so, yeah. like... But there's uh, yeah, there's but so there's many like stupid the rushing like of the that. sea and yeah. the flapping of the sails, and John David Washington and Kenneth Branagh are talking about what their next move will be, mm. and you can't understand a fucking word they're saying. Yeah, the sound mixing in this—it was maybe the first uh, time I've ever noticed 
the sound mixing in a film yeah, right. being quite poor. There were scenes where like the score was really loud and overbearing, yeah. and I thought, like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to hear lines under this. And when a line came, it was as if someone grabbed a fader and wrenched it down so that someone could say a line and then flung the volume, flung the volume back up again. And I, I noticed like someone fucking with the sound of the, with the levels of the music. Throughout the whole movie, uh, yeah, that's which very is kind of annoying. I didn't notice that, but I did notice that it was difficult to hear. It was definitely. A, I think it might have been around the art heist bit where there was this like volume around the plane, the airplane, and everything. There was volume that kept going up and down and up and down, so that you could hear lines that they were yeah, saying. But God. they wanted this big score during the rest of this like uh, plane, airplane art heist scene. The score is very overbearing. It is very overbearing, and I sort of didn't get a chance to appreciate it because of how it was just always in the way. Yeah, and if the score is ever, like, uh, obscuring the unfortunately necessary expositional dialogue, yeah. then it doesn't matter if the score is good. You're going to be a- annoyed by it enough yeah. that it's kind of letting you down. So, so like, I, I couldn't yeah. really describe it to you. I could guess that it's a very similar Hans Zimmer kind of score, I but I wouldn't I think it did a lot know. of that, like, swipe, swipe, swipe. <laughs> Notes moving, like notes where they've inverted the. I was going to say, it sounded like you were doing that backwards. Yeah, notes where they've inverted the 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 structure of the notes so yeah. that it, it's got like long attack and stuff, <laughs> and it's just like meant to be like, ooh, it's disorienting. And actually, um, he it's composed backwards. the music, and then you know there's going to be some bullshit in the <laughs> making <laughs> it was of the composer thing where, where like, he's like, actually, I thought yeah, I composed it backwards, and it's like, well, fuck you, good on you. You didn't need you to didn't mate. play it backwards, good did on you? Yeah. yeah, um. Often in Nolan films, um, there will be... Some motif, musically. Yeah, and especially in the Batman ones, where you had sort of three movies to get <laughs> familiar with them. But like Interstellar, I remember the music being very moving. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Hans Zimmer... Cause Hans Zimmer has done uh, all of his shit, I think. I don't know whether he did this one, but I know he's done a lot of them. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he invented the... Like, <laughs> Interstellar thing. Sorry, uh, Inception, Inception thing. thing. And so, like, you're dealing with someone who is capable of changing the way that music and film works. Yeah. And this was completely unmemorable. I definitely remember it being very exciting when it needed to be exciting. Mm. I'm being unfair because of the the way it obscured the dialogue and it made it confusing. But the sound mix are fucked up. It wasn't yeah. Hans Zimmer. There yeah. was there was a lot of or whatever. a lot of music that was. A lot of the rest of the music I didn't even really notice in a way but really made the film exciting when it needed to be exciting. Yeah. And I think that worked quite well. Well, and another but, problem, yeah. another problem with this, and I, I would assume these problems are related, but I'm not offering this as an explanation for why that happened, yeah. is, and this, I guess, leads into something else about the film, is that it was filmed on IMAX cameras. Right, so you said you had a bit about in general. this. Well, it's interesting because I was looking into what that actually meant because I'd heard people talk about that, and in particular, someone on the Richard Deacons, Roger Deacons podcast was... Um, was talking about this uh, filming with an IMAX camera because it's so they're uh, unless you're using an Ari Alexa um, IMAX which is like a digital camera IMAX cameras are film cameras so they film on uh, 70mm film was this that Hoyt uh, Hoytema episode he he was the one yeah. who was talking about it right but I, I I was looking into what what IMAX is I thought IMAX was a brand of cinema it's actually not it's a specific it's a format format of camera setup so you can have any brand of camera that's got an IMAX camera and what it kind of is is that it's uh, it uses 70 millimeter film or a 70 millimeter exposure uh, which is basically if you've ever held uh, listeners if you've ever held film in your hand from like a film camera from like a 
uh, photograph that you've, you know, like n- negatives from photographs, <laughs> yeah, there'll, there'll be 35 millimeter film, yeah. right? A 70 millimeter film print is nine of those things stacked three by three. Yeah. That's how big the fucking film is. Yeah. Okay, so imagine it's like three times as tall and you have a huge roll of it. Yeah. That gets you eight minutes of film. So you get way more resolution as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But eight minutes of film in an IMAX camera, and in order to pump that through at like 27 meters a second, <laughs> it has basically an engine in it. Yeah, he was saying it's like having a diesel generator yeah, on your shoulder, and that's the main limitation. He said they would use it all the time if they could, but they can't because it's fucking loud. Well, and Anne Hathaway described it as like an espresso machine. <laughs> like, imagine trying to do any heartfelt dialogue, and it's like, okay, rolling. Speed. I think they said they don't use it for a lot of yeah, dialogue Yeah, so they use a different 70mm camera, right? Yeah. Like a Panavision or some shit. But I feel like a lot of the lines in this... Because uh, I think this was mostly filmed on IMAX. I don't know. I think a lot of the lines in this would probably have to be ADR'd, so recorded after the actual production in, in a sound booth, and then edited in. And maybe it was fucking impossible to edit them neatly. You know, so I don't know if part of the sound mixing is just because they were recording on IMAX. It seems oh, like it know. creates so many fucking problems, man. Like another weird thing. All right, so because it's that thirty-five, so thirty-five millimeter is in uh, the uh, one point four three. So that's old CRTV aspect ratio, right? Like your big fucking big TVs, how they <laughs> used to be more of a, a square. Yeah. Um, you know this, but people listening might not. Yeah. Uh, IMAX has close to that ratio right. because it's the it's like three by three of that stuck together, right? So it's got the same ratio. And when they show these films in IMAX, that's the ratio. So when we watched this film, it yeah. was in 2.39 to 1 widescreen format. You know what they do to convert it? They just cut shit off. I, I've seen sections of Interstellar, yeah, I think, that are maybe wider. Dunkirk, where it's taller and wider, and it just cuts between different aspect ratios. Yeah. So, maybe it so in some home cinemas. releases, they just cut between the two. Right. And in some uh, in, in a cinema, usually they'll just pick the one consistent one. But it means that, like, he's surely he's not... I mean, maybe he's got the that guides on on the day. Yeah, it is. Uh, I saw a Brad Bird tweet about it. So, that motherfucker worked for Disney. And he's directed a bunch of different films. Um, he said, let me read this, let me read this Brad Bird tweet. He said, the general brackets wide release format for Nolan's films are two, 2.39 to 1, so that's widescreen, and he photographs the IMAX scenes so that no vital information is outside the 2.39 frame, because that's the version most of the world will see. Right. So when he's filming on set, he's filming like two framings of his movies? I think, no, that, that must just be what the guy said before about how he can reframe his shots. No, because so when they show it in IMAX, you see the whole thing. Yeah, okay. When they show it in an IMAX <laughs> uh, cinema, some IMA- most IMAX cinemas are digital, and so you'll there's like three IMAX cinemas in the States that use IMAX film. Right. And that's like, the, the, you, you just, you'll never see that. <laughs> um, but most IMAX cinemas are digital projectors yeah. projecting this weird square aspect ratio it's a very high screen and so like a very tall screen and it's not widescreen 
it's like four by three basically because it's so tall because it because of the negative shape and yeah. they're just projecting the direct negative so you'll see all this shit that you never saw in the widescreen format of this uh, and all the, the framing top, is crazy uh, what I read is in the top quarter and bottom quarter of the screen that's where they explain the plot of the movie right okay yeah, well that makes <laughs> makes a lot of sense that it was a lot harder to follow because the sound in the top and bottom quarter is also cut out yeah and so the sound that's cut out of the top and bottom quarter is Christopher Nolan whispering explaining what the movie is it's just I don't know that, that I don't know whether like you're pro or anti IMAX after that I want to see it no, I'm kind of anti because like number one it like, sounds like it's a goddamn nightmare what's the point of doing set. this a medium that not everyone has access to film reels every eight minutes of footage <laughs> are you kidding me my <laughs> camera if I'm recording yeah, on like the highest quality does 17 yeah, minutes yeah but it doesn't have any long fucking eight, how many movies do you have with eight minute long scenes in it a lot. There's no takes. But also, eight it doesn't long. matter. You know how much production time you're going to lose swapping fucking mags <laughs> over. You got to pay like a team of people to do your negative management after yeah. you record. That sounds like a. Trust me, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Do you know in Dunkirk they crashed an IMAX camera into the ocean? Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, they were just sick of it. They just sent it up yeah, in a plane. Yeah, like eight minutes. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, put it in a Spitfire and let it fall out of the fucking sky. Yeah. So uh, it, I don't know. That's very weird, and it made me. How do we me, get onto that? It made. Sound. kind of sound design and I think it would be extremely difficult to do an emotional performance uh, where di- that where the dialogue and the performance have to be kind of captured in that one moment I think of of the of the the actor really truly being embodying the performance I think it would be extremely difficult given those circumstances I think that he uses I think IMAX, it contributes I think he's used IMAX on every movie I've seen him do but he this and is he's the had first, great emotional scenes in every movie this is the first movie that he has as far as I understand almost entirely used IMAX for this oh, Dunkirk really? was a little bit was was uh, a little bit filmed on other stuff but heavily used on IMAX in uh, Dark Knight, they they used IMAX where possible, which right. probably means in scenes where any action was happening. Right. Okay. If they used it a lot for this, then fine. Maybe you're they right. Used maybe it a this lot. is maybe this is some conspiracy yeah. that goes all over the top. This, this was like mostly IMAX. I feel like it's not worth dwelling on it too much. I think it's interesting. Fuck you. Oh yeah. Sorry. No. Yeah. 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 No. But I feel. I feel like we've done it. We've done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it is. It is interesting. I, I just. I don't know. I think it sounds like you know there are all these problems that seem to be coming from the sound or the dialogue of the film, and I it's just possible. wonder how much of it is it originates from choices that he's made and branded himself as, and then he's kind of wedged into where it's like, well, we got to have this diesel generator on set at all times, and so <laughs> we're going to work around that. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, all in all. I feel like we've been a bit, a bit, we've been very negative about it going out of the gate, and I'd like to be able to talk about it. Yeah, sure. Just before we get into talking about, yeah, uh, spoilery shit. Yeah, so I was going to say, I, I think uh, Robert Pattinson and Elizabeth Debicki were the standout performers in this. Yeah, I think they were for me. They were the only performances I would rate as like on the better than expected, or not even than expected, like the. I don't know. I, I was I was very let down by um, JDW and, and Kenneth Branagh's performance in this film. Maybe not his performance, but you know. Yeah. Um, but Elizabeth Debicki was the character that the 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 casting choice that felt right for her character because she was she wasn't fragile, but she had to almost like use her fragility as a way to get behind, like get people's guard down. She was yeah. quite like she's actually quite plotting. And, uh, but like that's not necessarily how Kenneth Branagh's character sees her, and so like he, I think she has she has this like strength underneath a veneer of fragility that I thought was quite good, and 
uh, I don't know. She was the character that I was like, she was the performance that most convinced me, I guess. Yeah, I think her performance was very good. I'm just thinking now whether maybe... She's also second. Australian, so and I didn't know that. Yeah, that was good. I think, I think it's also... I think it lends a lot of validity to an actor that you don't recognize very well. Like yeah. A good actor that you don't know the face of. Yep. I'm thinking back to the Kenneth Branagh thing. Like, it sort mm. of... It adds a bit more believability to the role, yeah, I suppose, because you're not apparently, looking at them and seeing, like, that's oh, Brad Pitt. She was... um uh, She was in Great Gatsby, the Baz Luhrmann Great Gatsby. Yeah. yeah. Um, she played not Daisy, but the other person. Yeah. Um, And I didn't recognize her in this. I guess she hasn't been yeah. in something it's that I've watched for a while. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I thought she was very good. I, anyway, I, just, I, I just wanted to touch on the performances because there was some good character. We talked a little bit about that. There was some yeah. good character stuff in this film, but it wasn't the writing. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about the idea that there isn't much in the way of character development. That's an interesting... An interesting I think no thing character experiences almost any change in this film at well, all, any point. Almost by, almost deliberately by construction because of the structure of the movie and the way the timeline works. By the need to obscure things from the viewer early on and only reveal them later, maybe. Yeah. Um, but that is still a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I think they could have done a lot of stuff differently, and I, I personally, um, if I had. Supreme Rain probably wouldn't have made the same casting choices as they did. Yeah. Anyway, so before we get into spoilers, part of the reason why, if you're like, if you've reached this point and you haven't seen it and you're like, well, I wish they'd talk a little bit about what the fuck this film is about. The Warner Brothers plot summary for this is armed with only one word, tenet, and a fighting and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist, capital P, because that's the name of the main character, journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Now, I think that's like... <laughs> it's a, That's it's, not a synopsis, that's like a teaser. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like it's very hard to explain a synopsis for this film. It's very hard to explain a... Even like a premise, because the premise uh, is a spoiler, kind of. Well, kind of, unless you don't say anything about it, in which case it's like, well... It's that. It's what they just said, well, which I means f- fucking nothing. I feel like the premise of the movie and the story of the movie is constructed to make these cool action sequences. That's, yeah. Where Even basically, like, it's like, not like. Espionage. There's no fucking espionage in this movie. Well, no, there's a lot of. To be fair, there is a lot of spying in the beginning, in the first half an hour, where they go, like, right, okay, we have to. F- here are these bullets. We've analyzed the metallic structure of the bullets, and that's led us to an arms dealer in India. That arms dealer in India doesn't know where the bullets came from, but recommended we look into this other arms dealer who's this Russian billionaire. Mm. we got to look into this Russian billionaire. How do we get close to him? through his wife. His wife's an art dealer who is responsible for selling forged art. Yep. We have to go in and get break into this bank vault to get our hands on some of this forged art I guess so we before... can get close to the wife. Right. And that's There's a whole bunch of espionage shit there that happens and those are all bits from the movie. And but I guess then, before the plane crash, up to that point, before the plane crash, you're right. It's mostly like... It's like, boom, but they're, they're in like... They have like five different objectives in that first 20 minutes. Yeah. Man, the pacing of this film is fucked. Yeah. It's like a two and a half hour movie, so yeah. it's not like they should have taken it slower. And so well. then I suppose but I suppose if, if we're trying to give a quick synopsis of the rest of the movie, not synopsis, like a quick like what the fuck is this movie about? At some point they find out that the Russian billionaire is trying to get his hands on a specific object mm. that can bring about uh mass destruction. Right. And so they are trying to stop the billionaire. So there's this MacGuffin, and they yeah. need to get the MacGuffin. And they're trying to stop the billionaire from bringing about his his uh, world domination type plan. Yeah. 
uh, and they and it's complicated by the fact that stuff moves backwards through time. Yeah. So uh, you see a weird fight scene where it's quite clear that either there's something, something that looks like human or some humanoid thing is moving quite strangely right. and uh, like walks into a chamber and then comes out being different or something. So it's pretty clear that something's being fucked with. Shit moves backwards. Yeah, and you've, and you've heard this idea of like some, some bullets that move backwards and, it, and some other things yeah. that move backwards. Yeah, and so then the rest of the movie, in terms of like the mechanics of the movie, are just there to show off this idea he's had the rest of the movie just becomes like shit move back moves backwards gets more and more and more complicated throughout the rest of the movie yeah and gets more and more impressive and amps up the stakes and that's basically the whole movie is the whole time they're trying to stop this world domination type plan at the same time as shit is moving backwards in an impressive cinematic way yeah cool and it's not just yeah it's Right, yes, yeah, yeah, basically. So if this is the spoiler warning... Shit moving backwards just doesn't work how you think it would. Because right. I've never seen it represented <laughs> in this particular way on screen before. Right. So if this is the spoiler warning... Yeah. Um, and you would rather... Well, you didn't spoil shit for you more than, I suppose, the thematic stuff we've already talked about. Now's the time to tune out. Yeah. See you later. Because we'll definitely talk about stuff yeah. that will just make this movie... If you haven't seen it... Yeah, it'll... it'll Ruin surprises. Right, so here's the first surprise I want to ruin. The idea that we were dancing around the fact that people move backwards. Yeah. And that is the bit of the movie that I didn't really even know going in. And it's the Mm. bit where you sort of go like, oh, it's a time travel movie. So I hadn't really realized how the time travel in this was going to work. And I suppose you've all seen it or don't care. But basically, people can reverse their experience of time so that instead of moving forwards through time like we all normally do, you can be moving backwards through time. Yeah. And so anyone that's moving backwards through time, when we look at them and we're all normal, they look like they're moving backwards. That's that's the wild shit. So then if you're moving backwards through time, the whole world looks like it's moving backwards and you're normal. Yeah, they explain this concept of entropy, which is like chaos transfer. Yeah, and it's like, well, when, if you're, it's entropy is reversed, so because it's been exposed to this blah, blah, blah of radiation. That's that's the sci-fi bit where obviously it's not real, otherwise it would be true. I I feel like, (laughs) and I don't mean to sound like a TM, very intelligent person, uh, TM here, but like, I understand some of what they're talking about and I think it would almost be better if I didn't because there were points in this movie, especially like the negative heat transfer where like hot stuff is cold and cold stuff is hot. <laughs> or like uh, you have to wear an oxygen mask when you're going backwards because oxygen from their side doesn't enter your lung membrane. What s- the fuck <laughs> are you talking I mean, about? I know you don't have a gripe with that specific example. I do that- have a gripe with that specific example. Right. That specific example someone explained to me online, and I'm going to end this explanation with or something, so okay. don't bite my head off for right. that. Right. But it was something like our bodies behaving normally through time are sucking in oxygen and processing that into carbon dioxide. And so if you reverse that process and time is moving backwards for you, then your body needs to suck in carbon dioxide and blow out oxygen. That's completely incorrect. And so you need to be breathing carbon dioxide. That's incorrect because they take an oxygen tank that's strapped to their face. No, they don't say it's an oxygen They do. They say it's oxygen. They say it's air. No. Uh, They say you have to breathe your own air. I'm right either way because (laughs) 
because even if it was air, it's it's Brilliant. it's it's a gas with the entropy reversed, and so it's the same gas as on the other side, but the gas's entropy is reversed. They're basically, you know, how they have to be in this like airtight container if they're moving backwards in time. Sure, it's that, but in a portable sense. Right, so they're wearing their own airtight container. It's essentially that if you want to travel backwards in time, you need a space suit sure. because it, you because your air if to them to you it's a vacuum now. Yeah, whatever. And so I don't have a problem with that. I think there's no, a certain but I'm level saying of don't fucking try to explain it. If it, it's garbage, what they, they say they in the didn't. film is garbage. No, they do. They wear it. They, there's like, you probably fucking couldn't hear it. <laughs> but one of them tried to talk about like uh, the oxygen won't enter your lung membranes. So you have to take your own oxygen with you. And I'm like, fucking why? <laughs> None of what you've given me scientifically explains to me nah. at all. And I wouldn't have thought about that. Until you fucking told me, and I know that the reason why you included that in your fucking stupid premise <laughs> is so that you could have the backwards moving people wearing gas masks. To make that it clear is who why. Is who? So frustrating. Yes. Right. That is the only fucking reason why they shoehorn that awkward ass explanation in. I There's no so. reason that shit needs to happen, man. It's just there's two so. characters and they could have had the, they did a fucking armband thing later on with the blue and red people, and I think they just should have done something like that. I suppose part of it So silly. I mean from the p- I don't know. You could you, you could got there's, hypothermia there's, from an explosion. Fuck off. There's no reason I have to justify it, but I thought maybe you could be like, oh, it puts a limitation on like, oh, why don't they just go backwards to do this and this and this and this? It's because like because it's a fuck around to go backwards. Like yeah, you don't, you don't just go backwards to like not miss a TV show. It's like it's a fuck around. You do it when you really fucking. No, have I to. know, but you can establish that in a yeah, way that is. They got like a lot of too deep down into the I, science. I think there's a lot of science stuff in sci- sci-fi movies where I just go cool. You tried to explain it. Great. I believe you. I would Great. really rather that they didn't try. Because if you get close, anyone that knows what they're talking about <laughs> is like, wait, fucking what? Yeah. And then you're just like, anyway, moving on. And I'm like, wait, no, what? I, I think the second half of this movie is very exciting and redeems the first half mm. in a way that you're going to bite my head off for. But I, I think that the first half of the movie is very slow and feels boring and feels like it's confusing enough and you miss enough of what the yeah. fuck is happening that you're like get to the point what's happening yep. this isn't this this isn't the dark knight this hasn't felt like an inception or an interstellar nothing major has happened yet and then there's a there's a point in the movie if you haven't seen it where they realize they have to go back in time to reverse shit that's happened mm. and that's where the movie starts to get intense and you start to go like, oh. Right. And the second half of the movie starts to explain stuff that happened in the first half of the movie in really interesting, compelling ways that make you want to think about it forever. Yeah. And I think that those bits, like the bit where, you've all seen it or don't care, they go into, they they crash a plane into the side of a bank vault basically in order to get into this bank vault to steal a painting and while they're in there they get attacked by these dudes that are moving backwards these SWAT team dudes you find out later in the movie that those SWAT team dudes were them yeah and they had to go backwards well, to it was, do yeah one of them yeah right well, it wasn't they, even both of them yeah right that's what you think it's like oh it's going to be the pair but it's not even the pair it's yeah it's one, one moving one forwards and one moving backwards and so they go into that machine and get split right and so though they they have had to go backwards for other story shit yeah and then went where's the only other machine we have access to it's in that vault and so they have to go back into that vault right i think a lot of the interesting stuff about time travel movies is when they try and when you have to like they explain how their time travel works yeah and so i suppose the time travel in this works in a way where they say anything that happens happens you can't change it right so if something happens in the past you can't change it and that's fixed i'm and almost so 
Yeah, sorry. There's, there's a bit, for example, where Elizabeth Debicki's character, and I feel like this might be interesting. I, might, I, I feel like all I wanted to do when I saw this movie is talk about it with people. So yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah. Explaining this stuff, I think, is interesting. Um, the bit where Elizabeth Debicki is talking about how she started to drift apart from her husband and never really left her husband as yeah. much after they were on holiday in Vietnam, and she was on a boat off to the mainland and saw a woman dive off the boat, and she thought, "Well, fuck, my husband's having an affair," and that yeah. was like the she like, comes back early, and yeah. that was the catalyst behind her drifting apart from her from the Russian billionaire husband and eventually conspiring against him. Yeah. Um and you find out later in the movie that that woman diving off the boat was her yeah. when she had gotten so much hatred for her husband that she traveled back in time to go and kill him. Mm. So well, she knew that she needed to in order to Yeah. yeah and so it was her, her yeah. doing that is the and then diving off the boat, she sees her diving off the boat yeah. and thinks it's another woman. Her doing that is the catalyst that causes her to start hating her husband in the first place. Mm. Shit like that. That's like the, the style of time travel it is where everything that they do causes the past to repeat itself in this cycle. I like the idea in this one. It's the first time I've seen time travel where you can't really send yourself back in time. You reverse your time and have to live time in the have past. To just wait. So if you want to yeah. go a week in the past, you have to reverse time for yourself and live for a week to get to the point where you want to be and then reverse time again. Time always moves the same speed. Yeah. Yeah. It's which direction you move I am in. pretty sure there is a film called Primer that is like... There is a film called Primer. Yeah, no, there is. I haven't seen Primer. I, I am pretty sure that it... The, the time travel in Primer is functions the same way. They make these boxes with superconductors in them. And the superconductors uh, basically re- slightly reverse the flow of time. And so you, I, I'm pretty sure it works the same, that you have to get in one and however long you're in the box for, you're traveling back in time for that amount of time. Right. And then you get out of the box and you've traveled back in time, but you are your current self and so you get to the exact same situation where you can go and look at yourself doing stuff yeah. but it, instead of being instead of like moving backwards when you s- the, you don't like walk through a gate you get into a box and then when you get out of the box you're traveling normally again but it works much the same way because characters go back and either like they, they like um affect their later selves or their earlier selves or like pretend to be earlier versions of their earlier selves <laughs> than I they actually the primer are. Is fucking There's nine timelines yeah, in right. an hour long movie. <laughs> and so Is it only yeah, an hour? It's like an hour five or right. something like that. Fuck. Very, very good film. Almost as bad as this in terms of like we're not helping you understand this plot at right. all. Yeah, no. You are gonna have to watch this more than once. And so, um, I don't know. I was just, it was really interesting because Prime was made on a budget of like less than, we're further behind than that. Prime was made on a budget of like less than $10,000, like personally financed by the guy that made it. And yeah, um, uh, yeah I just love <laughs> Chris Nolan fucking stole that. Yeah. I think it's a compelling idea for it time is travel, though. I'd never seen it. And I really liked it. Like, they it. have to go a week, as you said. So, like, the practical application of that is they have to go a week back in time. So, they have to get into a shipping container with an airtight seal in it. And just wait for a fucking week. Yeah. And it shows like a montage of like time yeah. passing. <laughs> and then they get out at the other... Or they... Yeah, they have to go back. No, so that's what makes it interesting. So they can't just get out. Because then you're right. They have to... They're moving backwards. And so they have to get to the turnstile that swaps them back in that week earlier. So they had to find a... They had to find a shipping container mm. that was 
during the course of a reverse week going to end up where they want to be. Right. And get in that shipping container. And I think what's interesting about that is that it, uh, it, it actually, it doesn't ever say this, but it sets up these rules where you can only ever travel, so you're sort of bound by the, uh, length of your own lifespan because you can never yeah. travel further forward in time and you can only ever travel That's as far yeah. back as the first as the turnstile rest. is sent back so the Oslo turnstile is like the, e- the earliest they can ever go no, I they think. can go further than that and they'll just keep How? living in the p- they'll just keep living backwards forever oh yeah but they're fucked yeah so okay yeah <laughs> the earliest thing you would ever want to go <laughs> but ma- maybe there are like objects that Maybe like maybe that Oslo turnstile can be reversed. Maybe you no, because the way that those things got there, and I read this online again, Fuck. doesn't explain it. The way that they got there is they put them inside a bigger backwards time machine and left them in those time machines for ages in the future, and then took them out in the past and left them there. No, you've confused me. Whatever. So that the, you know what? How does that machine that turns time get, get into the year twenty twenty? I don't know. It has to be put in one in the future and left in that spot for fucking ages until it's backwards in time long enough that it's where uh, they need it to be. The idea behind objects moving backwards through time is very confusing. It is extraordinarily on like a, confusing. On a conceptual level. Yep. Like, I think the more you think about it, the more it won't work. Like She gets a wall with bullets in it and she's doing this research that sucking shit, bullets out of the that wall. That shit is the stupidest part of it. Because like that's just meant to be like Q from James Bond type shit, yeah. and I just thought that was fucking lame. I don't think they should even have tried to have that. Yeah, I didn't mind that as an introduction to the concept. I think it should. Oh God, no, I hated it. I didn't like it at all. I I thought it was yeah. more confusing than it was helpful at that point in time. Because all I was doing was like, "What? How do the bullets work? What the fuck are you talking well, about?" It, it doesn't, He's like, it doesn't it's help. like instinct. I'm like, instinct doesn't your. Entropy doesn't fucking care about your instinct, it mate. It doesn't help that that was almost the last scene we saw before yeah. it cut and we had to wait a week. And we were thinking about that one little scene for it a week. It didn't make any more and sense after I watched it I, again. I think you were supposed to not really have to think about that scene for a week. I suppose that Ugh. I thought that by the time you'd finished the movie, that scene now made sense. It doesn't still make sense, though. I, I just have to ignore the fact that I understand <laughs> why it doesn't make sense. Um, have you got a favorite sequence in the movie in terms of action sequences or set pieces or. Because I, I think that there's, there's a few major sequences that I think are really cool and really great. And I think that there's a couple where they would be cool, but... Uh, my favourite... I liked the... <laughs> so, it actually turned out, like, in the grand scope of the film, this probably wasn't my favourite because right. of, like... Um, almost how non-impactful it was. Right. I like the opening. I think it's a strong... It feels almost exactly the same as the bank vault opening from uh, Dark, Dark Knight. But... Where it's um, like a, it's a... It seems like it's a completely inconsequential introduction to the movie that doesn't mean anything. Not, no, no, no. Not inconsequential. Is that what you think the Dark Knight? Oh, sorry. No, the Dark Knight <laughs> one is different. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. more about... No, fuck whatever you said. I'm just thinking about the idea that it seems like it's a nice prologue that isn't related to the rest of the story. I mean, it was obviously related. Yeah. Um. But the but you don't know how it's related. Yeah. And it it I guess what was so strong about Dark Knight is like it characterized the Joker so much. It like took yeah. that opportunity to really make you realize that the Joker is like a he's orchestrated this whole thing. B he's a psycho because he's instructed all of them to kill all of the other ones, and then yeah. he does the final thing. It like does characterization well, but this is like that minus doing characterization well. It's like it's a cool thing to watch. But yeah. then, 
um, and like the bit with the gas and the whole audience passing out at once, like thousands I, of extras is like kind of yeah. cool. But then, yeah, it was like, yeah. I liked something else better. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, the one terrorist that they filmed, like stomping on a cello oh, yeah, and then yeah. like sweeping papers off the yeah, fucking piano. That was piano. so funny that he like pushed the music stand over and pushed the music yeah, off. Yeah, and it is like I just wanted like an eighty to ninety second long shot of that dude, <laughs> wide, just wide dude shot, just Citizen rampage. Kane style, just knocking everything off this Kicking fucking a trombone. <laughs> Just like bashing it, looking around for other stuff to mess with. Calling yeah. the percussionist a fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like throwing a trumpet 20 meters. It, it's 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 12 terrorists and one schoolyard bully. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one guy who's enjoying that bit of it way too much. Nice French horn, dork! Um, but I liked the, uh, the war zone scene, probably. I thought that was kind of the coolest bit. Uh, I thought it was the bit that the film had like earned the most you know what i mean it felt like that was the yeah that was almost a scene that they wanted and they had to make a movie to get to that scene that was that scene was cool and that was one of the scenes that i thought about i don't really have a good answer for favorite scene by the way so fuck you okay uh, i thought that the war zone scene was awesome and they set up this idea of a reverse pincer movement (laughs) where you get a A temporal temporal yeah right a temporal pincer movement where you get a team that goes through a situation Normally, yeah, and then lives back through it in reverse. Yeah, is it the same team that goes through it both times, or is it? Yeah, right. That's why they're not allowed to. So, so there's some shit about that's why, at the start of the operation, when you're in the past moving forward, uh, all of the people in the future are kept in shipping containers because you're not supposed to be able to see like what's happened to them because you might change. Yeah, it might. But then that doesn't affect the fact that you can't. You can't change the right, way, but it's deterministic, it exactly. Whatever, so, but there's enough questions like that that yeah. it ruined that scene for me. Like, so, so the idea behind this temporal pins movement is that the team moves forwards through a battle, for example, yeah. and then at the end of the battle, they go back and are reversed through it and are able to what change the way. They're able to react to situations to like save their own lives, for example, yeah, like if someone. Yeah, if someone was going to throw a rock at your head, you could go back in reverse and catch the rock before it hits you in the head. But you never... It's, it never goes two ways, right? So what happens is, um, if you, you... Instead of... Sorry. So what will happen there is, uh, if nothing happened to you or you missed an opportunity in the first part of the battle, future you can reverse themselves and then be going through that battle scene and at the moment where you had that opportunity but didn't do anything... Yeah. You like set up the shot or whatever. Right. And then, but what that means is past you never experienced that missed opportunity. What they actually experienced was um, some, dude. some other thing just coming along and being like, like, I don't know, opening a door and there's a person behind it and you can shoot the person because yeah. they, they're you and that they knew that that would closed. happen. That door would always open. Right. Yeah, but right. it's like, so how did they know to alter any behavior in the first place? Well, they didn't. It's they just didn't. always going to be how it was. And that's yeah. sort of what the film says multiple times. It's is still fucking confusing. What's happened, like, happened. When they're in a briefing room and they're like, here's the plan and there's no plan and then everything kind of, it all seems yeah. like chaos. I thought like, Maybe I just misunderstood the pincer movement bit, but the mechanics about like logistically how would you pull this off was so confusing to me that <laughs> I couldn't follow that scene. I think the pincer movement kind of amounts to go in, moving forward, go in and do what you can. And then uh, the team that's going in reverse 
is going to come in and they'll just do what they can as well. And so the battle will kind of go how it goes for you the first time. Yeah. Because these people from the future but are helping you, but you, you out. you saw Robert, Robert Pattinson was on the reverse team. Yeah. And John David Washington was on the forward team. But he swapped himself. So, the, so they are different teams. Uh, maybe they are. But they get but reversed at some point. But then how does that make sense? Is there a, because there was no... Maybe... Oh, so that briefing at the start was, here's what the reverse team found. Now we're going to go in for, forwards. Yeah, I think it's that. I think they give them intel. Yeah. Yeah. So right, there was okay. enough confusing shit. God, sorry, <laughs> it was uh, so confusing. Yeah, it's and it, like being expected. So we're we're doing this like slower than the movie does it, yeah. right? So being expected to keep up with this shit in real time is not reasonable. No, it's not. I, I also really like the car chase. The car chase sequence I thought was very cool, but yeah, I did notice that they had four different European cars, and then referred to one as the Saab and one as the BMW, and I thought like. I don't know. It just felt like a bit too constructed in a right. way where they were like, we're fucked if we have four of the same car because it's going to be confusing because we have to have four different cars. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's such an irrelevant gripe that it doesn't even sure. matter. Another one was that the car chase was cool going forwards and then the way they explained how the reverse parts of the car chase worked going backwards yeah. was so confusing that I still don't quite understand the movements of well, it's all this the idea shit that like. Again and again, it's them flying too close to the sun. I would have honest. I think I honestly would have preferred a movie where they didn't try to explain it at all. I didn't mind. They the were just like, like, "We've reversed your shit." No, because what I'm saying is about that car chase. When he the first time it happened, and you see this car moving backwards. Number one, it's goofy as hell. I think yeah. it's really goofy. I think it like seeing this car like looks weird driving backwards and sliding and slipping all I over the place. Liked it. I think the way they pulled it off was cool because it's supposed to be otherworldly. Because he's not moving in yeah. reverse gear; he's moving as fast as he would forwards, but backwards. But he's driving. So he's moving at like two hundred kilometers an hour backwards because he would be moving forwards, but time is reversed for him. Yeah, but. At some point, it's confusing. So you and ca- then, yeah. like, but for him, for for future him traveling backwards, gravity and friction are reversed, and so like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. And so what it means is, okay, all of the stuff that's traveling in reverse is really weird and ethereal and otherworldly, and it moves in this these weird backwards ways. And so like, yeah. if someone like throws you against a wall, the way that you actually would move is like you're going to move in reverse of what you thought, but you're still fighting in the narrative form forwards. It just becomes very confusing. It doesn't quite feel like... Yeah, and it, it almost feels like it's... It, doesn't, it, it does. It is the movie's fault for not very clearly depicting visually what's happening because I feel like visually you could have a visual language that clearly articulates what's happening even if shit's happening backwards. Like, I'm mm. thinking specifically of a moment in the car chase where... Um, they have these nine pieces of this object they're trying to construct called yeah. the algorithm, and there's this piece of an, there's this piece of the algorithm that's being sort of tossed between cars yeah. and being passed between various in an people. Orange, uh, and you're trying Pelican to case. and the, the end of the car chase is after all that shit, who ended up with that piece? And then mm. so you watch the car chase forwards and you're not sure, and then you watch it backwards. But you watch the car chase forward and you think, old mate, Russian dude had it. Because he yeah. took the case. 
my point is, at the way they go backwards, you watch it flying through the air and do this weird backwards thing and then bounce around, and then it's not clear where it is at all. And no. they, I had to wait for a line where someone was like, ah, oh, darn it, this guy got the thing. Yeah. And, and I thought, like, oh, I didn't think that happened at all. I thought the opposite of that happened. So, yeah, and it, but it didn't mean, it didn't play to me like it was meant to be a big revelation. It just meant... For me, it was more like they were just trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And so one character was like, this happened, right? And then they were like, no, shit, this actually happened. Yeah. And then they were like, no, shit, that means this happened. But it didn't. It doesn't feel like that when you're having it explained to you. Yeah. And for me, I missed, the, I missed it happening the first time. I, then I missed what it meant when it happened in reverse. And then I missed the line. And so I, that never made sense to me. Yeah, no, it was very... So I yeah. walked out of the cinema... And it didn't ruin my whole experience of the movie, but there were a bunch of things in this movie where that happened. Yeah, there was, and I just left, never knowing the answer to the questions I had. There was heaps of stuff in this movie where I still can't quite explain to you why, when the Russian guy gets all the pieces, the world will end. I don't. I couldn't understand. I couldn't really explain to you why it is. It was, and I we could sit here and nut it out, but I feel like the point is, it was never. I don't think mm. very clearly explained or reinforced or stressed why it is that the world will end when the Russian dude gets all nine pieces. Well, the, the and I'm happy to just the stop. The world's going to end when he kills himself. Yeah, but why? Because he's set he up sends out a message that goes out. But yeah. what is that? With the locations of all of the nine pieces, so that old mates in the future can assemble all nine pieces and then use it. Used to do what? Uh, to uh, right. Like what the fuck? Uh, it's not a nuclear holocaust. It was something like like I think now no. They're gonna about send it, it. They're gonna send. I think it was. They're gonna send a nuclear bomb that that is that has its uh, entropy. Uh, you know how like when it, when a bullet goes through someone and it's negatively it's got negative entropy it like does more damage for some reason was it a global warming thing where they were going to destroy they were going to destroy the past yep thinking that it would thinking that it would not affect the future yeah and for some reason that benefited them yeah but, like, because it would ostensibly like I don't know. It didn't reverse, make any sense. Would it reverse global? No, it I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember. Surely it wouldn't. The point is, I don't remember what the whole point right, so is. Sorry. So, yeah. there was, so there was a bit there where, like, hopefully this is cathartic if people have seen it and were struggling with what the yeah, fuck. Yeah, you're going to hate this if you haven't seen the movie. But, like, yeah, there was a lot of shit like that where, like, I didn't quite ex- understand why the world was going to end. I just yeah. had to go, fine, I believe you, the world's going to end. They got to do this thing. And yeah. then at the end of the movie, when they have all the pieces of the algorithm and they split it into three and they go their separate ways, I wasn't quite sure what they were going to go and do with those things. Hi- it and then die so that no one knows where it is. But then where are they in the... Like, and then I thought, like, where are they in the timeline? Because then this thing with the opera happens and is that earlier than this? Or no, later the thing than with this? the opera happens earlier because no one can ever move forwards in time. All you can do is leave information in a recorded form for the future to find. Because I heard someone on a YouTube video say that Michael Caine talked about the reverse pincer movement battle in at that lunch as happening just a few weeks ago and saying he failed. I think he talks about some operation happening there or some explosion or some shit. I think he's referencing what happened. Two weeks ago, there was a big explosion or something. But he doesn't talk about... I don't think he knows about the... Yeah, but the idea is that that had already happened by the time they were having lunch. So they went back and did it. I don't know. It's so confusing that there's, oh. a, there's enough there's enough shit that I don't quite have a grip on. Like, if you have me ask no, me to write down right. the whole plot. No, you're right. It was plot. two weeks before the conversation that they have. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. So if you are, but then I don't quite know. Like, so then, but then they go forwards and have to. So are they stuck in this loop, assembling these pieces forever, or like what? Like I don't. No, so they're not stuck in a loop. So I think the way that it ends is they're all gonna fuck off and not tell anyone ever where the pieces are and not get found ever, and then when they die. They will have hidden the pieces in such good places and not left any information about it such that no one in the future will ever be able to find them. Ever. And so the algorithm for this time travel bullshit can never be assembled. But then John David Washington still reverses himself and goes backwards years to then go and befriend Robert Pattinson. But then he ends up before the next version of him and he can't move forwards and in he time. he has already set this shit up. Yeah. And then he lives back... You know what I mean? So he's already set the shit up, but he can't move. Once he's gone back, he he goes... The latest version of him goes back to before any... Before one version of him. And then he can't move forwards in time again. So after he's done that, he can no longer affect the future version of himself. Other than by, like, leaving a note in a place and his future version going to that same place and finding that note. I think this movie is trying to be too smart. I think that... I, 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 maybe not... I don't, uh, they're, they're, I don't know whether a this lot movie, of people have leveled that criticism at it. I don't know whether this movie is trying to be too complicated and it's too complicated for its own good, or whether Christopher Nolan thinks he's explained everything and he's just done it poorly. Yeah, I think it's the second one, based on the fact that the dialogue is kind of clunky and that there's a lot of exposition that mm. technically explains what's going on, but you can miss very easily. I don't think those are little breadcrumby clues. I think that that's him thinking he's explaining it. And he's doing it badly. Yeah. It's annoying that the second half of the movie explains everything and it changes the way you think about the first half of the movie because it's forcing you to go back and watch it again. And yeah. I think that the movie pacing-wise is kind of frustrating because the first half of the movie has so much exposition and is so slow that I feel like it's not... I feel like it's almost not my fault that I wasn't paying attention as much to that first half of the movie. Well, you didn't know what to pay attention right. to. There's so much. There's there's so many. There's a few scenes that like don't really need to be there. Yeah. And there are all these little details, like the name of the painter is Espangio or whatever, Arepo. which is a reference to some dumb shit. That's where the word tenant comes from, by the way. Really? Yeah. There's right. cute shit in this movie, and right. I think it's just I don't know. For me, that's the level that they're thinking about it on. And then yeah. they wrote this extremely complicated script. Yeah, I don't... No, I, I liked the movie and I enjoyed watching it, but I feel like it's not going to feel like that by hearing us talk about it. I feel like I, I enjoyed it in the moment, but again, I was so confused in the moment that I was kind of infuriated by I, it. I heard a... So I was looking up a no, bunch of No, the more I talk about it, the more I didn't like this movie. Because this has been very... I didn't... I, I'm, I'm sort of the same. I did not like it. I didn't have a negative experience, but I think this is the weakest Nolan film I've ever seen. Yeah. And the review that I think... Uh, summed it up the best that I've found or the, the tagline this comes from Slant written by Ben Flanagan his his slug line for it is every time that Tenet stops to speak it only emphasizes a hollowness within and I yeah. think that is very I, I, I think that's very eloquently put I think every time this movie stops to explain something it's only undermining itself and I think it actually probably would have benefited from either explaining itself less or uncomplicating itself because it's so fucking complicated. To its own detriment. It's not like, oh, it's really smart and you yep. have to be smart to get it. I think that it doesn't quite... There's all these questions that we've been asking that I think it should be obvious. In the same way, yeah. it's like I think Inception 
has a complex idea, but it explains it in a way that I think it's almost intuitive. I don't even think it is a complex idea. It's, you're right. It's not that complex, but yeah. it, feels, it feels like a complicated well, idea actually, that is expressed in a way that is quite intuitive. Interstellar has complex ideas. The idea that when you get closer to the idea that when you get closer to a dense gravitational body, time moves more slowly from an external perspective, but for you it moves the same. It's like gravitational relativity is a core plot point yeah. in Interstellar. And it I do not think that it struggles to explain it to an audience no. member at all. And I think that I think that an audience Which member, is amazing. if you then went back and asked them to explain the plot of any of the rest of those movies, or like, oh, well, why does this work? And how does this work? Yeah. What about with the four dream levels? What, why does why does that happen like this, but for this character it happens like this? I feel like a lot of audience members wouldn't struggle to explain no. the questions you would have. They might as not remember, they, but if you ask them immediately yeah. after they came out, yeah. I think that you would struggle with this movie. And I We're think that struggling. There are, yeah, and, and we've I think, both seen it. <laughs> one and a quarter times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that... There are enough questions that you can't answer that I think it's the film's fault for not expressing its ideas properly. Yeah, I agree. I think even just like the visual idea that I came back to with the the bit of, the piece of the algorithm being passed between the cars and bouncing around. That's and a good the example. That, the end of that, you don't know where that piece has ended up. That's a physical object, the location of which is important to the plot. Yep. And you don't know where it is. Like, because of the way mm. that it's visually communicated, stuff that's moving forwards and stuff that's moving backwards, you go, yeah, but if, if the guy moving backwards has it, does that mean he's sending it into the past? If the people moving forwards have it, does that mean they had it and then they lost it? Like, mm. it's confusing enough that I feel like the scene where they were like, here's how backwards bullets works, they needed to have that for like, here's how cause and effect works backwards. And I feel like that's what that car chase scene was trying to do. Yeah. But it didn't explain it nearly well enough. No, and then it just happens in this conversation with the Navy SEAL before they walk into the turnstile when they have to save um, Australian Emily Blunt. Yeah. And and they just... it's They they go through it, they say everything once, and if you miss it, you're fucked. Yeah. And it's like the core explanation for the way that the film works. And I realized in that, that was probably the moment where uh, I kind of gave up. Like, I just had to, you turned to me a bunch of times and you were like, do you understand what's going on? And my answer was like, no. Yeah. I don't. I, I was always annoyed at you for that. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was like, like nope. you're supposed, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, someone has to or else neither of us do. Yep. <laughs> neither of us understand what's going on at the moment. And I think yeah. there are a lot, and like, not to toot our own horns, you and I are pretty switched on dudes. <laughs> And so I reckon, really, I think, fucking, we're normal, very people. turned on. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you Let know, we're pretty barred up dudes. <laughs> um, but I the, think about reverse time travel. I think of someone like I actually have. You know, I don't know. I spent time like looking at the way quantum physics shit works on the internet. I was interested by uh, like gravitational relativity after I watched Interstellar and a bunch of other things I'd seen. So I went and looked up a lot of that info, like. I've studied chemistry and I understand the premise of entropy and stuff. I think normal people are going to be so fucking lost that you shouldn't try and explain it to them. You should just literally do, uh, we figured out a way to make shit move backwards in time. That's basically what they Movie did. Onwards. I think I think no, that you're overthinking so it a bit. Long I think the bit with the entropy the shit, and man. shit they don't really spend that long explaining. They just say it. There's literally a bit where they say like, "I agree with you." That doesn't explain stuff very yeah. well. But, but there's, there's literally a bit in the film then. where they say like, "Oh, the entropy of stuff moves backwards after it's exposed to radiation." Don't think about it too much. You know what? What movie does this stuff perfectly? Day after tomorrow, I'm because sorry. sorry, day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
fucking uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Also haven't seen it. Right. Well, it's a Tom Cruise movie with Emily Blunt where every time he dies, he wakes up again. It's right. Groundhog Day, but... But and it's an action movie. It's caused by uh, alien technology. And right. they never explain it. I think that they... I, I think they that... They never bother. I think that the explanation that they offer behind why shit can move backwards is fine. I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, my problem is more with, like, the structural storytelling aspects of the movie. I mean, I think it's both. How, like, I think it's both. Because people are... I, I agree. I, but I think the mechanics are okay of, like, if you walk into this chamber, one of you walk out the other side, and then other side you is moving backwards so they can see forward you walking in reverse doing exactly what you just did even on that, the other side of the chamber. Even that was a bit confusing That's, for me. I'm okay with that being the most mind-bending that this film ever gets, but it's yeah. not. It's even more shit than that. They're like, then imagine both of you going to the same battle because you have to because one of you at any point did. And yeah. it's wrestling with this actually like extremely complicated philosophical problem of like, yeah, temporal determinism. Like if you were in a certain place and then you could reverse yourself, you would always have had to have been in that place. So what would that look like from both sides? This and is it looks actually very fucking weird. This is actually um oh I was going to tie this back to a, a related piece of media, but I don't want to spoil that. But no, right. this is very, 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 very similar in terms of time travel mechanics to something else I watched recently okay. that I think has enhanced my understanding of the aspects of both, but they're both still fucking confusing. Yeah, right. And I think you and I have also, like, even... I know that it's pissing you off to get into the weeds on this type of stuff, but yeah. you and I have much more of a tolerance for doing that than fucking... Your average audience members are going to. I don't, and think I think most, this film is going to lose yeah. most people. Well, I think the sort of people that like these sorts of, I mean, no, they're mainstream movies. Christopher Nolan's movies. Have I all think been this is the least mainstream successes. movie he's ever made. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I was going to be like, oh, yeah, normal people don't talk about the movies afterwards. Of course they do, but I feel like yeah. this movie requires so much discussion afterwards. And so much like, oh, is this where this happened? Oh, I don't know, dude. But do you remember uh, how no, we were just talking about how in, uh, Inception is like not a particularly complicated plot? People do you remember how fucking complicated out. people felt like that movie was when it came out? Yeah. This movie, I don't even think people are going to talk about this movie that much because I think that they're just going to be like, there are going to be the sickos like you and I where we're like, but when he reverses himself. And then there's just going to be most people that are like, it was way too confusing. I didn't like it. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. and That's I, how I, you felt about it. That's how it. I felt about it. And then at the start of this episode, I said, oh, no, but the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. Going through this conversation mm. is the most I've ever thought about it, and now I hate it again. <laughs> I don't I don't hate it, but I just think there's not enough. I, I, think, I think it just made some really big mistakes. And... Um, no, like, I, at the start of this conversation, I had thought, oh, if you think about it, it makes sense. But the more I'm thinking about it now, the more I'm thinking, like, no, nah, there's... Heaps of shit that didn't make sense. I and I'm remembering how I felt in the cinema. Right. And I feel like I walked out of the cinema feeling a bit empty and like like I didn't get anything out of it. Well, and I, I don't think a movie should be held to account for its first time viewing because I think that there's some movies where that's not the point. The point is to go and watch it more than once. Um, I yeah. think that that is annoying when you have to pay for a movie. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, but like... I don't I don't subscribe to the theory that all films should be completely interpretable in the first viewing. Um, but I also don't think that that's usually what Chris Nolan is trying to do. And 
I'm not sure that this movie deserves going back and watching it a bunch of times. I don't know if I really want... I wanted to read plot stuff, but I didn't want to watch a whole two-and-a-half-hour Chris Nolan movie again again immediately afterwards. Maybe big fans would. But, you know, it wasn't... For me, like, there wasn't... There weren't any particularly fascinating or interesting character beats. The most interesting thing was um, Elizabeth Debicki. Her character had an interesting arc. But yeah. like even then, I thought that her character turned into a bit of a pawn towards the end of the movie. Oh, she was man. I I didn't want to get into the weeds on it, and so I won't. But like, I think the fact that this movie has only strong men and capable men, and then a woman that is like, um, so fucking frail, with the exception of I guess, yeah, she can kind of take care of herself, but she's just so disempowered that, like, she yeah. ba- barely ever has any fucking agency. It's just a shitty move. Like, the main character of this film didn't need to be a man. That's a bit of a trope in Christopher Nolan movies, Yeah, though. I think the, it sucks. The wife in Inception. The dead wife or whatever, yeah. Yeah. I think that none of the characters in this film needed to be men or women, and the fact that they occupy the roles that they do sucks. Yeah. I think that's a huge weak point of the film. I didn't even want to particularly touch on it because there's more glaring flaws to this thing. Yeah. This is like a 6 out of 10 for me. And I think that uh, is... And it's it's a 6 for a lot of reasons that aren't like the storyline. It's a 6 for the fact that like... I don't know. Uh, I think I, it was poorly constructed. I admire how much, uh, how much stuff... In a Chris Nolan film, if you watch something happen, they generally really did it. So like they really crashed a 747 into an aircraft hangar. Um, yeah, I like that type of stuff because it means that they, you know, uh, yeah, I I like that they actually did that kind of stuff. I like when you can tell that there weren't a lot of visual effects used in these types I'll of movies. I'll tell you what, the effects were amazing. I I want to know how they did all the reverse shots because I feel like he's going to have yeah. done it in a ground in a lot more of a grounded, real way. Yes. than anyone else would have done. Well, he likes getting stuff in camera where he can. Yeah. So obviously, you can't get the top half of a building, the the bottom half of a building blowing up, and then the top half of a building blowing up in reverse or whatever the fuck happened. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they did that shit. That stuff I'm really keen to see. Yeah. And that war zone scene, I think there's an interesting enough stuff there and it's well made enough that I think it's like, this is not, I don't, I don't know. I think when you look at like a bad movie, this isn't a bad movie, but... This is like a misguided movie. Yeah, but it, it just what, makes it makes four four out of ten worth of huge fucking mistakes. I'll tell you what, I heard an old dude walking out of... When I went to get the tickets to our second session, yeah. I heard an old guy walk out of what must have been a session for this movie, and the usher asked, "How was it?" Mm. And the old guy, the, uh, the usher says, "Like, how was it?" I heard it's really confusing, and the old guy said, "It wasn't confusing; it was confused." And I feel like that's right. a really interesting, succinct way of putting it is that yeah. the movie doesn't really feel like it understands its own premise enough to be able to explain it to you properly. Like, you know how in school and that, people say the best way to understand a topic is, is to, be to able explain to... it to someone else? Yeah. This movie can't do that. This movie wouldn't be able to do that to anyone. And it doesn't, so it can't. I think mechanically it could work. Um, scientifically, absolutely not. Like, scientifically, no, obviously it, it doesn't. Like of course, it, otherwise time travel would exist. But I know, but then, <laughs> but then, like, again, I just get so frustrated because they published papers from the science from Interstellar. Like, Interstellar works. It 
physically worse. No, if you go into a black hole, you'll fucking die. Well, they don't know about... Okay, sorry. <laughs> Literally right up until Just, the end moment where yeah. he does travel into a black hole. Well, they yeah. don't know what happens when you enter a black hole, actually. They yeah, assume you that you are crushed yeah, in yeah. it. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Do you know? Have you ever been into a black hole? But yeah. um, all the planet shit, all the orbiting stuff, all of the trajectory shit, all of the light bending stuff, that all works. And this, so when they're telling you about it... This stops working very early on. When they're the telling you about it, you buy it and it works in yeah. your brain. And yeah. so you're satisfied with the explanations. And so when you hear McConaughey talking to fucking Anne Hathaway and they're having a conversation about some um, aeronautical engineering concept, it's actually interesting to hear about. It furthers your understanding of what's going on. It gives you something to latch on to. And this so. movie only did negative things when it tried to do that because yeah. it lost you further or it alienated you or it skimmed past it so fast that you didn't understand it. The only that was very frustrating. Yeah, and I think you're I right. I feel like you have problems with explanations in movies a lot more than the average Joe does. The only explanation that I had a problem with was... Just to say that I think you notice it a lot more and I think it stops you up a yeah, lot more it than does. it stops me it up. Yeah, it does. It really does. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that happens to you. <laughs> Why just spend the next period of time after Being that? Being like, thinking about that. Yeah, exactly. It's very distracting. The only one that tripped me up was uh, when they said that fire is cold in reverse or something. All of the movie felt that stupid to me. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. The oxygen masks, all of it. Yeah, it no. all felt that fucking stupid. How he feels like he's catching a bullet when he's firing it out of a gun that it's moving backwards from... What the fuck are you talking about? No, I didn't mind that. I didn't mind. The instinct stuff makes sense to me. The it hasn't the fired itself until you press the trigger in the past. Yeah. So why does it travel backwards? Because you press the trigger in the past because time moved backwards for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Time, it's like a loop. It's like a weird loop. Yeah, and yeah, The instinct yeah. thing is like you have to have committed to the decision of dropping the bullet in your head when you go to drop it in reverse, well, you actually, if you, you just hold your hand over it and try and like force pull it up like a Jedi, you can't do it. She was saying like, it's about instinct. You have to have dropped it. You have to have dropped it. So you, you don't have, have to, to have wanted to drop it. No, you I have to, <laughs> you, you have to sort of instinctually, you have to feel like you've dropped it so that when you, no, you don't, you have to drop it. Yeah. But in reverse. Yeah. No, you, you have to drop it. You don't have to feel like you've dropped it. That's a distressing line because like, when they said no, that's that, that's the I was instinct like, shit she's saying. She's saying like, because he wish had his hand over it, was yeah. trying to do like the Harry Potter broomstick up thing with the bullet, and it didn't work. He had to sort of, and they they showed it by the way he was holding his hand. But I think the idea yeah. was like instinctively he's like, all right, I've dropped it, and then then he can like sweep it back up in reverse. No, he didn't think I've dropped it. He dropped it at a point, right? Universal entropy does not give a fuck what is happening in the human brain. I think that. It doesn't care about how you feel about the bullet. I think that if we can validly explain this shit, Andrew, we will invent time travel. <laughs> but what my problem is that, again, like I would have just preferred the answer of like, um, yeah, or I don't know, don't don't do the ammunition thing. <laughs> like the reverse bullets? I, I don't like, know. Have like a cat just that's moving do in reverse them. or something. Just don't, yeah, just don't do the bullets thing. And then, I don't know, maybe you could see stuff blowing up around you and they're like, oh, it's because it's like they're actually firing bullets but they're moving backwards in theory but they're moving forwards now so the entropy is really destructive or some shit. It, it, it opens I up so know. many questions because then you're like, well, where did the wall with the bullets in it come from? Yes. Did they put the bullets in the... I suppose they had a... They fired, gun, they fired bullets at a wall and then sent that wall back in time... 
Right. So this is my problem. If so, he he unshoots a bullet out of that wall at a point in time in the past, right? Yeah. But moving forward, he chose to shoot the bullet into the wall. No, he didn't, because he he chose to unshoot the bullet at that moment in time. He like chose to suck the bullet back into the gun at that moment in time by pressing a trigger, which activates a mechanism that wouldn't have fucking worked because that's not the way that the <laughs> bullets are fucking propelled physically. It's stupid shit. Yeah. It just falls apart yeah. the second you apply a blowtorch to any of it. And, and even... Because obviously Inception would fall apart if you applied this same level of um, angry man logic to it. But yes. I feel like the fact that you don't feel that way is... And is an a success of the film. Is an illustration of how effectively yes. Inception conveys a complex idea simply, yes. and how it easily, simply constructs a world of the film where it says, "In this world, we don't worry about these things, and we do worry about these." Yeah, things. I studied the human brain, and I'm more satisfied about the way that Inception told me you could invade someone's dreams yeah. than I am about <laughs> the way that this told me bullets could fly backwards. Yeah, I hated all scientific shit in this movie. It sucked. I'm a mechanical engineer, I was, and I was happy with. All I know, of it. but <laughs> uh, oh man, oh man, yeah. Um, so I think it, I think it fucks up some pretty big stuff, uh, and uh, I do think it is the weakest of the Nolan catalog, unfortunately. Which is uh, really yeah. more disappointing because there are some really great moments in this. There are some really great moments. I think that there are James Bond movies and Mission Impossible movies that I enjoyed a lot more than this. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And it's trying to do the really complicated... Like, I feel like no no blockbuster, and props to him for this, no blockbuster is doing what he... The level of scale or complexity that he is trying to do. Yeah. And so I think he deserves something for that because he is... In the same way that James Cameron is like that kind of anti-capitalist narrative that no, not many movies have like that. Yeah. Um. Chris Nolan, like he's a uh, he's an old guard, right? He pushes for shooting on film. He pushes for seeing stuff in cinemas. Yeah, and um, yeah, he pushes for like I'm not going to compromise on what my storyline is, even if it's fucking unintelligible. <laughs> and I think up until now it's worked for him, but I just think he dropped the the ball on this one, or maybe he yeah. dropped the ball, but it's just not. It doesn't work the way that he thought or hoped that it would. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I respect him for it, and I'm glad that this got made. But uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, it just scrapes by being better than the average. Yeah, I think I might end up watching it again. I might at some point. Not. I, soon. I think I'll get value out of it watching it again. Yeah. I know enough people that have expressed interest in wanting to see it that I'll I'll probably go go to one of those like oh I'll come watch it with you kind of things. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna. Yeah, I don't know. I'll watch it again, but I feel like it might even just be more of an exercise in frustration. Because I, you'll yeah. watch it again and be like, oh, how was I supposed to pick up on that the first time? I think because the science stuff's not going to change, but my, but you'll understand certain things that happen more. And so I, yeah. think, I think each viewing of this will be better than the last. Yeah. I will say that. I feel like as a closing thought, you, you, the way you said like some films are supposed to be much more than once reminded me of how frustrated I was watching Mulholland Drive. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you and were I, talking about that. I yeah. think that the difference in the way that we feel about these movies, for me personally, is the fact that with Mulholland Drive, I feel like he was trying to make a very specific point and it was my fault for missing it. Mm. Whereas I feel like with this movie... It's the film's fault I missed it. Okay. Interesting. Like, I feel like I was paying attention and I was ready to play and it's the film's fault for... It threw a bad pass. Yeah. And I feel like it's like... No, mate. I didn't have to watch 
Inception more than once. I wasn't this confused after having watched whatever it is more just once. Like, I think it's I think it's the movie's fault that I was this confused at the end, not my fault. I'm very interested by the fact that we probably should have talked about this a little more, but that you were watching Dark at the same time because that is a series that explains. That is a nightmarishly complicated time travel Well, that's what I was hinting towards series, before, right? yeah. It gets to be a lot more complicated with its time travel and Dark's... Yeah. Maybe it's not a spoiler. Dark's logic for how time travel works ends up being very similar to the logic for how um, Tenet works. Right. So, you kind of... Uh, I'm assuming it's that you... Uh, if you're if you go back to the past, you have to live until you end up at that same point. It's not that you can in- immediately travel or anything. Yes, that, and also the idea that you can't change shit. Oh, it's deterministic, right? Yeah, yeah. I think those two things. I think they subscribe to the same model of time travel theory. Like, you, if you if you assume that you have to live in the setting yeah. until you get back to the same point, you also would deterministically there. I've had a very frustrating two weeks. Yeah, but but I wonder if this should have been, and obviously Nolan doesn't make series, but I wonder if this concept is too complicated for a movie. I'm starting to wonder this. I'm starting to wonder if there are concepts that are just too complicated for films. I think that there are maybe just too many set pieces. I think he wanted to get too many levels of complexity into this yeah. that it wasn't enough room in this for like one movie. Like He can't do the giant pincer movement thing and the car chase yeah. thing and this yeah. thing and that thing and get that Get rid thing. of a couple of things, have some better dialogue yeah Mm. exactly yeah like the car chase could have been the end of the movie right that i did have that exact thought that he probably could have set this up like a normal heist movie would have had one of these things be the end scene that it all led to yeah but he had like six big fucking set piece moments that uh that it really did yeah yeah okay so i mean I think it's worth seeing. It's definitely not worth getting COVID over. <laughs> so if you are at any fucking risk of getting that virus and you're you're like, maybe I should go and see Tenet in a cinema, fucking no. I suppose Wait that's a good point. Else. This is a dumb thing to say, but if this had been Inception or Interstellar, the risk taker in me would have been like, yeah, roll the dice, man. It's, in, it's Interstellar. It's pretty good. Yeah, this isn't worth like... If I lived in a city with any active cases, this, I would not have gone. This, and movie, seen this movie is not worth taking a dumb risk for. No, if it's I had, really not. If I had taken a dumb risk, if I had had to travel interstate to go and see this movie, I would have been upset at myself for having done that. Yeah, it's not worth a lot of effort. Uh, no. It's worth going and seeing if it's free and or if it's sorry if you're able if it's, and if it's free. <laughs> fuck it. If you're able and it's safe to do so, then it's worth seeing. But yeah, yeah God. Um, yeah. Also, if you've got a decent TV and shit at home, probably just watch it at home. But if you're taking your health advice from two hours into two idiots on a podcast... That's very conservative health advice, <laughs> to be fair, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, is that all? I think it's a bit it. We've, I think we've, I've, we've tried to sort of steer towards wrapping up a couple times. Is this it? Yeah. You okay. mean you've tried to steer towards wrapping up. No, I feel like every time we've gotten back into it, it's been valuable and really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like we could talk about how much this movie doesn't make sense for hours. Yeah. And we have successfully done so quick it is oh I will say this is the first movie I've seen in theatres since Sonic the Hedgehog oh that's not for me yeah because you went once but yeah um, so I, I guess I kind of did want to talk about that <laughs> like I did want to talk about it as like a what better than, return to form was this thing. better or worse than Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to Beef Station for another week <laughs> god 
<laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog achieved what Might it was be trying better. to do yeah, like better than this movie achieved what it was trying to do. You can email I'll us. Say that. Beefstationpod at gmail.com. That's very sad. You can join our Facebook group. Links are in the description. Uh, we're going to pop in the description uh, what movie we're going to be doing next week. It'll probably be Heat. Oh, fuck. We did. We, get, we weren't yeah. going to do that. It'll probably be Heat. Mm. Watch Heat with us. Thanks for listening. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See you later. Bye.